Becker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. All right, Stomp, welcome to episode 84. I'm cracking a brew here. And, uh, oh. we've, we've got Keith. You ruined his plans for tonight, so you need to apologize. <laughs> well, what do you mean? The uh, outage? Well, we were supposed to meet on Tuesday night, and now we're meeting tonight, and he's oh, missing the football man, game. I don't know what happened, but um, our internet provider uh, had a major outage, and it was like 60% of the region was out. So thank you so much for... Uh, last minute, Keith, rearranging so you can show up for this tonight, and Mike as well. Oh, by the way, if you hear the uh, the beast at the door, that's a crazy cat named Daphne, so we cannot let her in because she'll be all over you, so I've took, taken that precaution anyway. <laughs> all right, well, I'm glad we're back. We took a little bit of a break here yeah. for just for the audience. Um, just a little schedule, scheduling note, so we are going to be having episodes for... December 2nd, 9th, and 16th, and then, Stomp, I haven't even told you this, but we're going to take off the 23rd and the 30th, and then be back on the 6th. So we're going to take that Christmas break. I'm going on vacation. Anyway, nice. So I'm not going to be Okay. Around. Sounds good. Thanks for letting me know. Okay, so <laughs> no problem. That's our schedule now. Um, but Stomp, I was, um, I was on... I, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, sorry, we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, events over the last week or two, but, um, I was on Facebook pretty heavily for the last week or two and I did catch up with, um, there's a group, there's two 4,000 footer groups and I, I usually go on one of them. I think I go on the, um, Eric's group, like hike the 4,000 footers, but there's another group that's like of equal size that I, I never go on. I don't know why, but I went on there. And um, I noticed that there was um, some listeners that had posted a picture of them on Welsh Dickey, and it was her name's Samantha, so I won't give her last name. Okay. But her and her friend Stacy were on Welsh Dickey in October, so that's how I just don't go on this group, so I didn't see it. Yeah. But um, they posted a picture, tagged us, and uh, they were asking if they found the Woodpecker Studio. So they were pretty <laughs> close. I think they're pointing right to it in the picture. So See, I told you. To I told you they're to, triangulating. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. So Samantha and Stacy, I'll, I'll tell you, you're close. Oh, you're very you're very close. close. Like within what? A uh, quarter mile? Yeah, in think so. some direction, think I'm so. not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, stop. We have breaking news in. We always talk about beers, not the beers that you drink, but the beers that can um, that hibernate and can kill you. So there was a bear attack in Goffstown. Did you read about this? Uh, no, I did not. In, wait, Goffstown, New Hampshire. Goffstown, oh, New Hampshire. Oh wow! See, yeah. that, no, that's close to home. So, yeah, what yeah. happened? Yeah, so it was, uh, I didn't say how old this gentleman is, but gentleman was walking his 10-year-old terrier. So a uh, gentleman's name was Jim and the dog's name was Toby, yeah. and they were attacked by a bear outside of their New Hampshire home. So uh, he was walking around, he saw two bears staring at him. He panicked, uh, He let the I guess he let the dog go out around seven, yeah. and then he heard some noise, he ran out of the house, and he saw a bear with two cubs. So obviously the bear was, I think, trying to protect the cubs. So the bear took a swipe at the uh, the dog, and then the guy came to try to rescue the dog, and the bear, I guess, swiped him. The human got out, got off with like 
just a little bit of a scrape, but Toby the dog um, got a little bit of an injury. So they both ran back in the house and walked away. Um, and I think Toby had to take a trip to the vet, no broken bones, but um, he was he was torn up a little bit. So wow. all's well that ends well. They went to the Rockingham Emergency Veterinary Hospital. So shout out to them for putting Toby back together. And um, that's a first. I haven't really heard of a beer attack in New Hampshire in a while. Uh, yeah, that's probably a first for me. I've not heard of any yes. either. Have you, Keith? Uh, no, and Goffstown's in my neighborhood. I mean, I'm, a new, I'm from New Boston. We're right next door. Okay. I spent a lot of time in Goffstown. So when, when did that happen? That seems to be, uh, is that, that's breaking news, you said. Yeah, it was, um, I can't see the date on the article here right now, actually. But um, I picked it up. I think I picked it up on Reddit. Like um, it's just Tuesday, okay. so like a couple of days ago. Hmm. So very interesting. Did you get that off of the uh, fishing game site or just the regular news? I didn't. It is on um, msn.com. Oh, okay. So. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look around and see if there's a. Yeah, it's it's says WBZ Channel Four Boston. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but anyway, Snop, we might as well just address, um, we had an incident last week where a, um, a young hiker, unfortunately, um, was missing. There was a, a long search that um, was undertaken, and unfortunately, Emily Sotelo um, did not survive uh, this hike. So we, we've we got a sort of a, a tribute at the end of the show here, but I've talked to Stomp a little bit about this, and I think just given the fact that we're in such close proximity to when this happened and it's a little bit raw, you know, I think that, you know, there will be a time for us to sort of look back and talk about how, um, you know, taking a look at it and sort of saying like, okay, what are some things that we can learn from this? But right now, I don't think that we want to get into a deep dive on this. It's just time to, we just need a little bit more time to process and, um, and just let some distance go by before we get into um, a lot of detail. It's it's just um, obviously like I think the search and rescue team members, the family, it's been a difficult couple of weeks for everybody. So we will post Emily's uh, obituary in the um, in the show notes. And then the family has put in the obituary. They want to encourage everybody to um, donate to the search and rescue organizations that helped. So we'll include links to all of those organizations. And, you know, if you if you're sort of feeling like I'm feeling and, and, you know, really sad about it and hoping that, you know, feeling like, what can I do about this? I think donating to the search and rescue organizations is a good, a good way to sort of take action if you need to. Anything to add, Stomp, or you want to... Well, today uh, was her funeral, so just uh, deepest condolences to the family and uh, you'll be in uh, thoughts and prayers for sure. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And we'll, um, we will definitely address it, but I think we're going to take a little bit of time and make sure that we, we have everything in order before we get into a deep dive on it. Yeah. All right, so moving on, Stomp, I think we've got um, some new sponsors that we've got to add here. So um, I think we're going to get into just splitting up the sponsors a little bit just so that we're not doing a bunch of commercials. So do you want to start? I think we got Eastern Mountain Sports yeah, first. Yeah. Quick and simple. Uh, EMS, your Northeast go-to for outdoor gear, guidance, education, and more since 1967. Check them out at ems.com. 
All right. Um, so, Stomp, I have an update on the buddy hike that I organized. I don't know how I got myself roped into this situation, <laughs> but you got, you need to come with me. Now. Oh, yeah, I plan to. I've got it uh, written in the calendar, so it's all good. What's the update? Oh, he's trying to rope you into it, too. <laughs> yeah, I need I need help. So 40 people have signed up for this hike on uh, Saturday, January 14th on Mount Pierce. And um, luckily, I've got some good experienced hikers. So Julie, who's one of the admins from the Hiking Buddies and a couple of other folks are going to step in and, and lead groups. So we're splitting the groups up into like less than 10 people so that we can manage it. Um, but the plan will be that we're going to go to Reckless Brewing afterwards. Oh, so I didn't know that. If you're a listener and you want to come hang out, like don't come to Pierce and hike with us. Uh, we're full. But go to Reckless after your hike. And, That's all oh, for the and, overflow uh, crowd. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. gotcha. Exactly. But I put out a questionnaire basically trying to get everyone's pace, their preference on starting times so we can split them up and then sort of an idea on whether or not anybody needs any gear. So I'm going, I'm like going full guide service here. Stop. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I wish you luck. <laughs> what do you mean you wish me luck? You're coming. <laughs> oh, just like Cheswick said, it sounds like a search and rescue. <laughs> it could be. Well, that's what I need to like, I got to tell everyone, like, look, no matter what happens, we're carrying people off the mountain. Like, we cannot get onto the fishing game news report. Right, right. Yeah, everything will be fine. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, all right, Stomp. So a couple of things here I had in my notes for, before we get into uh, talking with Keith here. So holiday shopping reminders. So now's the time of the year where I've gotten, actually, I've had a few people reach out to me to be like, hey, I want to get something for my hiker friend. What do you suggest? So a couple of sites I want to point out to to people that um, they can go to. Um, especially with the search and rescue event that happened in the last week or two, a lot of talk about GPS, um, maps, electronics, safety devices, um, personal locator beacons. If you're looking to research that stuff, definitely check out Dave Dillon. You know, he was on, I think, like episode 40. He was in the 40s or whatever, but he has a site called Chase the Summit. He does a bunch of reviews on um, different electronics. He's got watches, gadgets, yeah, great site. Uh, GPS solid. devices, personal locator beacons, the whole deal. Yeah, very solid, super prof professional. Yeah, exactly. And then if you're looking for um, ideas on winter hiking or any sort of gear, anytime I'm thinking about like I need to buy something new, there's like two things that I do. I will go on to a site called Section Hiker, which is uh, Phil Warner runs it. And what Phil does is he's he's got reviews on different things, like anything to do with hiking, but he does these top 10 lists. So if you need boots or if you need snowshoes or if you need a winter tent, or you need a backpack. Like he just puts together like a top 10 list. Yeah. And like 95% of the time, the top 10 list is, you know, he's going to have enough variety in there and he has male, female, um, and it's a great site to go to. So I, I typically will go there and then try to shop through, you know, if it's an online store, I'll usually go through his link so that he gets a little bit of credit and, and, and do, does the sale. Mm -hmm. um, and then the la the other place that I typically will go to is the Trek um, website, and they have a, uh, a gear list for the Appalachian Trail, and then they also have like a, a thru-hiker survey that they do talking about like what the popular um, gear is. So there's a bunch of resor resources. I will link those in the show notes, but again, Chase the Summit for gadgets, Section Hiker for gear, and then if, you, if that doesn't solve everything you need, then check out the Trek and go to the Appalachian Trail gear list or 
their hiker surveys. Excellent. Any gifts, gift ideas we can stuff in a stocking? That's what I've decided to do with Mrs. Stomp. We're just going to stuff stockings this season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Mrs. Snope needs a new, nice, nice winter jacket. Oh, how do yeah, you know? How do you know about in. that? Did yeah. I tell you about that? No, I just I have a vibe. <laughs> That's a really good guess, actually. We've been yeah, we've been chatting jackets. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, and then the last thing when it comes to shopping, um, just a reminder that um, fishing game has a like a licensing center that is located in Concord. And I'll include the address on the show notes, but it's on Levin Hazen Drive in Concord. And they actually sell merchandise. So you can get hats, T-shirts, coffee. Ooh, you can get you can get her a coffee mug with fish and game on it. <laughs> That's so one. romantic, right, Keith? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I, uh, but you can get, so you can get Hike Safe Card there. Um, and then you can get your merchandise stuff. So um, <laughs> definitely check that out. I was looking to see if you could buy online. You can't get anything online. You have to go to Concord. Okay. So what were we going to say? I have some ideas what you could put in a stocking. That, that would be wonderful for the missus. I just, yeah. <laughs> Like a new book? Sure. Sure. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, we will get to that. We will definitely get to oh, that. That's great. Um, and then a couple of other reminders. Um, you know, we already talked about the New Hampshire Outdoor Council. One of the other things that you can donate to that's come up, um, especially with the recent um, search activity that's been going on, is um, donating the canine rescue. So I'll include that in the show notes as well. They'll take donations. Nice. Yeah. Very good, Stomp. And then I think next update that we have here is you've got a sticker update. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ski Fanatics right down here in Campton, New Hampshire, off of Exit 28. They've been kind enough to let us uh, be a sticker depot. So if you're in the neighborhood, come on down to Ski Fanatics and grab a free sticker. Say hi and check out all the stuff they have there. Have you ever been in there, Keith? That's actually a really nice store. I have not, no. It's right, it's right down, right off the exit can't miss it it's by the gas stations the, the dunks and uh in the summer they do the floats uh tons of stuff in the winter but the clothing and the gear in there is actually really top tier so anyway support local business i'll check it out and yeah absolutely awesome um and then as far as stickers go also i have the link to sign up for stickers in the show notes i put out the last shipment about a week ago so um if you sign up for stickers i'll probably do it around the new year so you'll be waiting a little while so but i'll get to it eventually yeah 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 it's the shipping issues it's all backed up exactly all right it's coming in from china to california so it takes a couple months to come through yes (laughs) um pop culture talk stomp although this isn't really pop culture but like you put in a notice about the ice castles in Lincoln. I've never gone to, I've never been there. What, what's it like? Oh, it's, it's sort of crazy. I mean, it's, it's very impressive. They have obviously the, the massive ice glaciers that, that they build. And after the last rainstorm over the last few days, I can't imagine what shape they're in at the moment. Um, but they do all kinds of cool stuff, food, um, entertainment. They'll have artists with, uh, you know, juggling flame, artifacts and whatever else and uh it's really cool it's a nice time but this year they're adding a new feature which may enhance it a bit and it's called etoh or alcohol (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's pretty interesting. I mean, the, the prior years, they would serve sort of like lukewarm chocolate milk, hot chocolate, but it was like lukewarm. So it was like warm chocolates. <laughs> so anyway, hopefully they've upped their game in the chocolate department. But uh, yeah, if you go into the ice castles, you can get rocked and go check out the, the glowing glaciers. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> it sure does. <clears throat> I don't know. Well, you'll have to report back on how, oh, I'm how not, that is. I see I'm a lot, of, I see a ton of people over there. <laughs> oh, you're not, you're not no, going? No, I've been there, done that, yeah. I mean, if if you take the kids, it's good, but yeah, as an adult, I'm like... Mm. Yeah, that looks like a one and done. Yeah. Yeah. I do see a lot of people posting on um, social media that they're like there. And they all look like they need a drink after being there with their kids. Oh, so they sure. Work out pretty yeah, well. sort of like the Storyland effect. Yeah, yes. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Stomp. So you have another thing here. So you've got a lawsuit. So this is in, and I guess this applies to like hiking. What's Not that me so? personally. <laughs> Well, you don't have a lawsuit, but you posted an article about a lawsuit about a lady who is suing the Velveeta Cheese Company. I couldn't resist. Um, and I think this will appeal to two populations, the hikers, Absolutely. because like people will have mac and cheese, and then anybody that listens to us that might be like a, a pothead type of person will like mac and cheese, I think. So um, a woman is suing the Velveeta Cheese Company because these microwave packets um, apparently don't heat up in the time that's prescribed on the package. So it says no, it, it's like three minutes and they don't heat up fast enough in the microwave. Yeah, well, it sounds like a, a valid suit with merit, don't you think? I don't think so because microwave <laughs> cook time varies depending on the size of the microwave. So you think this would be dismissed? I think this will be dismissed, and I think you're banned from putting in any other links into the pop culture section. Jackie Childs representing this, you know. Uh, yeah, right. No kidding. Yes. I mean, what have we become? People are suing for stuff like this. It's just outrageous. But anyway, well, I haven't, um, I haven't tried this. It's, so these things are. I actually like these um, for backpacking. So not the not the mac and cheese, but it's the same exact thing as the. There are these microwavable plastic containers, and I actually get the um, Chef Boyardee version of that. And a lot of times, like if I'm just doing one night, I'll get those microwavable containers, but I'll just dump them into my cook pot on like the, the that night and heat them up, and then eat eat that. But you could do the same with the mac and cheese. Yeah, that's like a Jimmy yeah. Chaga trick too. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, well, being you know, lactose intolerant, that's not my go-to. You wouldn't want to be yeah. sleeping in a tent with me after I ate those. I don't want to be sleeping <laughs> with a tent with you even if you weren't lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, boy. All right, next up, you've got Ticketmaster and Taylor what Swift. What is this? Do you really want to talk about Not this? really, but I was curious. You're the back-end guy with the, the computers, so how does a company not have the back-end to support a rush of ticket purchases? I don't get it. I have this completely. I can give you the exact reason what's going on. That's why I have three daughters. They're all Swifties. (laughs) What happened is that the, and I did a deep dive on this, you know, the spreadsheets involved, everything. So what they did is they gave, I think 
they made assumptions. They gave out um, 40% of their available tickets. To resellers? They gave out like early access codes to. Okay. And my daughter's one of them. Uh, she, she got yeah. taken down in the scene, yeah. in the scandal. Did she really? Exactly. So um, they gave out these like these um, early access codes, and they made an assumption that like I guess what they did is they made an assumption that only forty percent of the people that had these codes would actually go in and buy yeah. tickets, and then they also made an assumption that like people that bought tickets would only buy two tickets each. So. The actual flow through for the people that had early access codes was like a hundred percent, and they were all buying six tickets. So they blew through their capacity way sooner because they didn't they didn't expect that the everyone that got a code would use it, but they did. Huh? So your daughter lost her tickets? Or lost what? her tickets? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she still has no tickets to date. She has no tickets. Wow. Well, you don't have forty k to. <laughs> buy a ticket from a reseller? <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable with it. It's a learning lesson. I think it's an invaluable learning lesson for her yeah. that um, sometimes things don't go the way you know you expect them to. You know, sure. And that you just can't buy it. It's not just a matter of money. You know, She right. was throwing my money around and it didn't work out so good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, my situation is that I have my middle daughter got a ticket and my oldest Uh-oh. daughter didn't and uh. my youngest doesn't care but my oldest does so... It's going to be an interesting summer. Yeah, no kidding. A little rivalry there. Yeah. Huh. And then um, just to wrap up this pop culture stuff, Stomp, so you made me watch this Love Island. Thing. <clears throat> Stomp this was texting me. He's worst. like, you got to watch Love Island. Oh, my God. This is I the wanna, worst. Um, Have you seen this? Sure, I've seen a little bit of it, but I've seen a little bit of everything. I've seen Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, you know, and I've, oh, yeah, I've yeah, seen yes. Gilmore Girls. I'm a fan of all that stuff and Mad About You. And They're funny. I like, yeah. you know, so when when, the, when you guys are talking about that stuff, I'm like, I've seen that. That's good. You might be nothing to be, nothing to be ashamed of, you know. I love Gilmore Girls. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> yes. Well, this is as it. vapid as it gets. I mean, this is pure narcissism on display. I mean, this is this is by far the worst show I've seen, but it's. That's why it's hilarious to watch. Yeah, right. So, all right. So, just for the listeners, so that if you haven't listened, I'll give you the two second breakdown. <laughs> they put a bunch of single people in there. They're all damaged. They all have issues. They're in their mid 20s to their early 30s. They've all been through bad relationships, as best I can tell. Either that or they just don't seem to be people that are like really ready for a relationship. But they put the women in one side, they put the guys in the other. They can't see each other, so the whole idea is is that you're gonna you're gonna fall in love with someone based on just talking to them. So oh, no, what no. they do is they oh, go into these rooms. That's, that's the other one. But Love Island is is visual. So you're Which one did you're you make mixing me watch, up then? Oh, did you watch the Love Is Blind? I watched Love Is Blind, <laughs> not Love Island. <laughs> oh, dude, you dropped the ball. So Love I is, feel love, the homework. Yeah, assignment. Love Island is pure visual. You're everybody there on the island is like a supermodel. With like a single thought in their head, and they put these people together, and the guy walks up, and he gets to pick the woman that he wants to be with. I mean, it's insane. It goes downhill from there really quickly. But yeah, you're talking about Love Is Blind, which is a whole other right, top. That's tier. what I watched. Wonderful experience. If you're <laughs> sitting at home bored out of your mind, oh my yeah. god. Anyway, so I I watched that dumb show for you. I watched three oh. episodes or something. Anyway, these people are falling in love. <laughs> It's great. With each other. They, they, they don't even know each other. They meet each other for a week. They don't even see each other. Then they're asking to get oh, married. Oh, proud it's of you. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love is Blind is ridiculous. But that show actually demonstrates that these people have some, like, 
basic empathy for each other and sincerity, whereas this other Love Island is devoid of all that, as far as I can tell so far. Keith, remember when you told me if you talk too much to move yeah. it along? Stop moving <laughs> along. All right. I got I'm to gonna... the last casting, by the way, on Love Island. I was one step away from getting on that show one season. Like season two, I was almost there. Damn it. I voted yeah. for you, yeah, man. You. Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah. They said I was. Uh, I only had a two-pack. They needed a yeah. six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> two-pack. All right. Well, we have some donations. Um, Chris yeah, donated two. Um, let's see for gas oil leaf blower mix so that's pretty funny remember there was that rescue with the leaf blower mm-hmm. uh, David Estes donated five thank you David and Rose donated five she's a New Hampshire resident wannabe so that's a shame hmm. um, maybe one of these days she's can, a wannabe yeah she wants to move up I, I'm not sure exactly where she is located but I think I, maybe mass but who knows I feel the same way <laughs> oh well well Maybe it'll happen. Someday, someday. Um, although um, Mrs. Mike did tell me, like, I was like, oh, we're going to move it. And she's like, no, I don't think I'm going to. And I'm like, we need to talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, so we'll see. Uh, all right. So welcome to episode 84 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week, we welcome Keith Gentili. Did I, did I get that last yep. name correct? Yes. So Keith is the author of the new book, White Mountain State, a four-year journey hiking and summiting New Hampshire's 48 highest peaks. So Keith is going to join us to talk about his new book. He's going to share his unique perspective on hiking in the White Mountains. Um, And while Keith is here, I'm going to put him on the hot spot and ask him to advise me on my strategy for, I've got 18 remaining summits for my winter 4,000-footer list, so um, I'm going to ask him to help me out and making sure that my order and my plans are all set. So we'll we'll talk the audience through that plan. So we got all this, plus we got beer, we've got kombucha, we've got a bunch of recent hikes to discuss. Um, and I had written down that we were going to get a special appearance from the executive producer, Daphne, but Stomp is locking her out of the room. So I don't know if she'll be able to get a sniff of Keith oh, and to make sure that he, he's okay or not, but it doesn't sound like it. But I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. I say free Daphne. <laughs> that could be one of our t-shirt designs. It'll say Slasher and then on the back, free Daphne. Right? There you go. Yes. People will buy. That's a stocking stuffer. Yeah, I All would right. say so. But uh, we got a couple of sponsors we're going to slide in here now. Yeah. Special thanks to our sponsor at Reckless Brewing, where you'll enjoy the best food, craft, beer, and fun just 15 minutes from Franconia Notch, many 4K footers, and less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners. And of course, we want to just say, hey, if you're hungry after your hike, head down to Spinner's Pizza. They're right off of 93 at Dascom Road. And uh, tell dolls and pops you're there to get your free sticker and grub. I know that place. Do you? Yeah. My wife was in labor <laughs> and we had a sandwich at that place while she was in labor with my second daughter. Oh, there you go. And we knew it was going to be a long labor. We had time to kill. We got off at Daskam Road. We went to that pizza place. That's funny. And we killed about 45 minutes there. There you go. Hey, hey, we have a, a, a visitor. That's yeah. fantastic. My wife's from Wilmington. Have your baby at Spinners. We know that area really well. And she's yeah. like, I, she had it, was craving it. And she's like, before I go in the hospital for a couple of days, I would love to have. <laughs> and you chose Spinners. Yeah. See? That's really funny. Small world. 
Yeah, that that is fairly close to that area. I mean, we were we were down in North Andover before we moved up. So, she would uh, my wife would commute back to Spinners. That's family run. So, yeah. pretty neat place. Cool. Yeah, and Stomp, I got one other sponsor we just picked up. So okay. our friend Shandy owns a company uh, called Sweet Beginnings Daycare. So if you have a little kid and you you want to get rid of them mm-hmm. and have somebody watch them, Shandy will take care of it. So Sweet Beginnings Daycare, it's in the Sunapee region. Um, and it looks like they're, they're licensed through the state of New Hampshire. Um, they deal with um, children and infant they're pediatrics CPR certified, first aid certified, and um, they will be available if you want to uh, look for some some daycare for your kids. So I'll include a link in the show notes, but this place is called Sweet Beginnings Daycare. Awesome. Thank you, Shandy, for thinking of us. I feel like I need daycare. I want, I want that. Yeah, do you? Why is that? <laughs> Could you explain this to us? Of. I just want to be taken care of. <laughs> and pampered. Yes. It would take you like a midday nap. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. So what are you drinking tonight, Stomp? I got nothing. I've got um, a brew up in the closet upstairs that's fermenting, though. And Mrs. Stomp and I um, put together a kit that was given to us. And um, the name of the brew at this point is called Baby Monster. And don't ask how that happened because we don't know. It just That just came out. It's Baby Monster Christmas Brew, and it's should be ready by uh, New Year's. <laughs> Keith's like, get me the hell out of this basement. This guy's whack. No, no, free Daphne. <laughs> Let's get free Daphne. I'm a cat guy. Yes. Uh, I think it's perfect. I think it's oh, perfect. perfect. I get it. Bring you him get in. A, is that a pun? Perfect. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> nice. What are you drinking, Keith? Anything good? Yeah, so I'm a Southern New Hampshire guy. I live in New Boston, as I mentioned, and I brought a Southern New Hampshire beer. I brought a Spyglass Hyper Cube. It's a double IPA. It's a hazy. It's a great beer. Uh, everything from Spyglass um, is fantastic. Cool name. I'm a very uh, big fan of Southern New Hampshire beers these days, and I make the rounds, and um, it's Spyglass. Is, since, since they opened, it's been great. They're moving further south, though. They're on the north side of Nashville, on the Amherst side right now, but they're moving to exit one. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's a, that's kind of hurts, but um, I've got them in my top three in New Hampshire for for the record. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a really good brewery, if, 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 especially if you like hazy IPAs. Yeah, it's one of the things they do really well. They also do porters and stouts really well. What's number one and number two? So Modest Man has come on really strong, huh. uh, based in Keene. They're opening another location in Portsmouth, and I've ever since they've opened, they've been great. They make a real hazy IPA, um, and even though I'm kind of weaning through that phase, uh, it's it, their beer is so good. And then lately, um, you know, I know Reckless is one of your sponsors, and they've kind of yeah. I've. I've I've been going there a lot in the last few years. Instead of going further to Schilling, <laughs> I've been going to Reckless. And, oh, um, Schilling's another good one. Uh, oh, Schilling's man. great. But I like Kettlehead and Tilton. Great brewery. Great food. Uh, and because I'm always driving south from the Whites, it's a nice place to get off uh, and, and head over to, to, to Kettlehead for both beer and food. Yeah. And it cuts my ride in half. So my post-hike meal now, when I'm finishing it, I'm halfway home, you know, when I'm in Tilton, which is, you know... A real game changer from like when I was writing the book and I was going to Woodstock Brewery. And that's a big upgrade going from like a Woodstock Brewery beer to, to Kettlehead and oh, nothing right. against Woodstock Brewery. I mean, they, they 
they they do things very well. They're doing them better now than ever. Yeah. But you know, along came Reckless and 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 um, Kettlehead, and it really were game changers for you know post like beers. Yeah, for sure. Why wow, you know your beer? Yeah, well, I could go on. There's so many. You know, Stone Face. I love Stone Face. Uh, you know, there's there's so many great breweries now. We're, we're, it's too many. Such, it's just a wonderful time. And and if I do have an extra beer, if, if you if you want one, I brought two. I might mooch one off. All you. right, please do. Please yeah, do. go for it. Stone. Yeah, matter of fact, I was gonna get a Stone Face, but I just ended up grabbing um, a Zero Gravity, which is in Burlington, Vermont. Sure. So I have a, a cone head. Yeah. It's called. It's pretty good. I like it. Hmm. Great beer. Very so, good. Very good. Very good. Um, so, Stomp, recent hikes. We got a ton of stuff to talk about here. Um, sure do, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I can just sort of summarize what I've been up to. Um, yeah. we, we can save the Algonquin, but um, I actually did the Grand Traverse. Um, what was that over the over the weekend or yeah a couple of days back but um it was the it was the day after we did the Algonquin Traverse with Jimmy so we had yeah. super duper snow the day before so the next day I just had to get out because I was amped up from that hike that we did and the Grand Traverse people have probably heard is an 1860 trail that connects Tecumseh to Welch Dickey so I went to Tecumseh I didn't have a car spot I'm like hey <laughs> who cares what's a car spot so uh i ended up hiking up to the top of tecumseh and my knee was tweaking a bit so i said to myself you know what um i'm gonna just scope out some recon for the old trail that goes down to hazelton brook and found nothing so i went down the saucman trail over to the top of tecumseh and i said to myself what would cheswick do and he's <laughs> i said to myself okay listen my knee's a little tweaky here's the deal if somebody has broken the Grand Traverse, I'm going to do it. And sure enough, somebody had gone in, probably based upon the look of the tread and the snow depth, maybe two days prior, ended up being one day prior. So this couple from Maine, Freeport, Maine, um, broke it for me. And it was a beautiful, warm, that day was so warm. It had to be up in the 50s, if I remember the day after the Algonquin or some whatnot. So it was just a great time. And I have to say the highlight of the, the trip was... Um, Foss Mountain, which if anybody's been to Height, Mount Height on the eastern side of Mount Washington, Foss Peak or Foss Mountain is very much like that. It's a 360 panorama. It's like a 30, it's 3300 maybe in that ballpark. It's like Chakora size. Just absolutely beautiful. Mm. Absolutely mm. beautiful. And you get this view of Welch Dickey looking south from Foss, um, that you'll never see anywhere else. I mean, you always see Welch Dickey coming from the south, looking north, and there it is. You know, you see the horseshoe. But from the north, it's just so beautiful. So it's just a nice time. And then, of course, uh, I got out and I, I put my wife to the test. I said, if she really loves me, she'll pick me up and bring me back to my truck. Yeah. She passed the test. She did. She picked me up and drove me back to my truck. What a good gal, huh? Oh, yeah. She, she deserves more than a book for Christmas. More than a book. Is that in Foss? F-O-S-S? Foss? Yes, yeah. So basically from Tecumseh, once you, it's very interesting. You go to the, the, the antenna, the radar tower, whatever the hell they've got back there, and there's one little tree with a G and a T on it, and that's the start of it. It's not marked. It's not official. It's an abandoned trail, apparently. Um, and then from there, it's 
pretty clearly marked now because some knucklehead went in there with a chainsaw and blazed the hell out of it. So that's sort of discouraging. But uh, the next peak over is Green, which is a really neat little peak, and then Foss, and then you, you barrel down south towards Welch Dickey on this just wow. beautiful sort of plateau ridge. It's just awesome. So see, the, I don't see a Foss Mountain on on the topo in Gaia, but I see Green Mountain. He's calling. He's calling BS on it. Uh, really? <laughs> then I see um, Hogsback and then Fisher, but I, I don't know. Okay, maybe yeah. they're just named differently. Well, from Hog, yeah, from Fisher and Hogsback, it's just slightly north east. It's right there. How did oh, you determine, it. or how, did the main couple post? Did they post on one of the trail reports? Say, how did you know? How did you know it was them? Or on Green Mountain, there's a register, so there's a little can, Got it. and uh, I did my little classic, you know, for a good time, call one eight hundred Crushing Peaks that routine, awesome. and I saw it, and I was actually surprised that somebody had gone up there, but it's getting more popular. With a car spot, it's just phew, one of the best hikes around. Oh. Yeah, I think that's going to be next on our list. Stomp. Oh, yeah. I'm dying to get you out there. Yeah. And, of course, our Algonquin. Do you want to talk about that, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I'll go in order. I did I did get out to Mount Pogus the week before. Mm-hmm. So I've done that hike before. It's a 52 with a view hike, and you can do it from a couple of different routes. I did this from Ferncroft parking lot, so basically the parking lot that – you go to leave from, you know, Whiteface Pass of Conway. Um, Mount Hibbard is out there, and then Wanna Lancet is the uh, the other peak. So that whole parking lot, there's a bunch of different areas that you can you can go to. So I actually took the Kelly Trail. I'd read about this trail because it's one of the is a box canyon that you go through, which is kind of a unique feature that you don't see in a lot of the New Hampshire hikes. Um, so I took the Kelly Trail out and then connected from the west with Cabin Trail. In the past, I've done, I forget I forget the name of the trail, but you go through Mount Mexico and there's a cave and whatnot. But I came through the Kelly Trail and then I went up sort of the west side of Pogus and um, just, I wanted to get out and it was a, you know, a quick hike. I was done and I think I was out of the car at like six in the morning and then back in my car by 10, 15 and home by noontime. So it worked out perfect, but okay views. Pogus is a little grown in on top. Um, I definitely recommend if you're going to do this hike and you haven't done it, do the loop. For, don't leave from Ferncroft and go up Kelly, go the other direction. Um, I'll put my GPS on the uh, the show notes, but I think basically do the loop where you go through Mount Mexico, you go through the cave system, and then come back down Cabin Trail, and then out onto the the main road. I'll, I'll add, I think that's a really special spot. That parking lot, I would I would encourage anyone to hike any of those hikes from that parking lot. I think it's one of the most special places in the area, and it's a non to me to me it's a non White Mountains parking lot you know to me that's lakes region in terms of parking lot when you drive there it's a different drive you're not driving up through franconia notch you're driving through the lakes region you know you're driving by squam lake you're driving through these little you know these little lakeside villages and towns and it's a totally different experience than going to twin mountain than going to gorham to going you know to going to franconia notch that alone i think is worth you know an adventure but if you add like sunset into that parking lot, sunset at Ferncroft is super special. The way the the sun sets on it. Now I know you were there in the morning, Mike. Um, but 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 if you 
in my book, I talk a lot about hiking in the evening. I'm not an early morning guy, but that area in particular and that parking lot and the wildflowers and the fields around it and the church, oh, it's yeah. just a postcard of, <laughs> of, of central, you know, New Hampshire lakes region, very different. Yeah. Yeah. The way I always describe it is I, I say, if you want to go to a place that is just quintessential New England, driving into Ferncroft is, yep. that's it right there. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I did Pogus and then, um, after that stomp had been busy the week, that week, um, you know, been a rough week, obviously. So, um, we had just wanted to, me and Jimmy Chaga were talking and we just decided to get stomp out hiking. So, um, we did the Algonquin Traverse. So we, we, would we meet at Drakesbrook, uh, trailhead? Yep. Stomp. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. we dropped a car there and then drove Roots. up Sandwich Notch Road, which was a little sketchy, but the Cherokee made it up. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, Sandwich Notch Road is pretty hairy, like in general. Of In the driest of days, it's hairy. So yeah. to add some yeah. slick ice onto it is a whole other ball game. Yeah, exactly. But so I appreciate you guys getting day. me out. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, so there was three of us. So we, I don't think so. When was the last time we hiked? Like, it was over a year ago. Oh right. man, um, I want to say we did the Squam Traverse. That was probably the most recent yeah. thing. Um, and, but we the did the stuff down by Livermore. But yes, yes, that's right. But me, you, and Jimmy—that's no, that's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got out, but um, we started at off of Sandwich Notch Road. We drove up, started at the Algonquin Trailhead, and then went across to um, Jennings Peak. There was no views. It was a cloudy day, but it was Zero. more about just getting out in the trails and catching up and, you know, having a friend day. Yeah. So no problem. It was a little bit windy, not a lot of views, but we made it to Jennings and then we went, oh no, we went to Sandwich Dome first. Correct. Then Jennings, then over to Noon Peak and then out Drake's Brook, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Spike's probably um, the last... Tenth of a mile heading up towards the top of the ridge of Algonquin Trail after you hit uh, the call where Black Mountain Bushwhack starts. So um, it was a pretty cold day. Um, I don't know. We were comparing packs. I think I, I put on my like 40 pounder just to get a little workout, and that was a hell of a workout. Uh, you guys pack pretty light. Um, but I think yeah, I had my, I mean, I had the Hyperlite 55 liter, but yeah. I didn't have it full. I just, I mean, I had everything ready, but it's just, it's pretty roomy. Yeah. We did see some funny folks coming up. This, this one pair came up and they looked at us and they said, backpacks, what do you got backpacks for? You're like, what in the world? I, they were so not prepared because when you come down noon peak, it's very, very steep. You lose like what? A thousand feet in less than a mile. Or something yeah, to that oh, yeah. nature. The guy was like, he was, he was like, I could never do this if I had to carry a backpack. And we were like, okay. Well. <laughs> Meanwhile, he had no spikes, nothing, and it was, it's very slick on that side. But good stuff. Yeah, and then um, I did the next day. So you did the Grand Traverse the next day. My daughter, um, she's going through her four thousand footer. So she, Caroline, I've talked about her before. Hi, Caroline, if you're listening. Um, she is at 22 at her 4,000 footer list. So she wanted to get another one in. Originally, we were going to do the Kinsman's. She hadn't hiked. She hasn't hiked in a couple of months. And I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to stretch her. So 
I was like, eh, Kinman's, it's going to give us like eight or nine miles. I was like, let me figure something else. Then I was like, maybe Liberty and Flume. It's going to be a nice day. It'd be a little windy. Then I was like, well, let's just do Liberty and do it quick because we're going to get home a little early. So um, we just went up, did Mount Liberty, um, hung out at the camp, the, the, the tent site for a little while, had, had a little snack, and then went up to the top and then just turned around and came down. She, that was only her second winter hike. So we're doing a little bit of training for winter hiking and, you know, she was dealing with the layers and spikes and the whole deal. She did good though. Okay. Any, any issues with the temperature regulation? Nothing. No, we, um, the, you know, we layered up before we got up top. The winds were probably whipping at like 30, 35 miles an hour, but the, the, it was like blue, bluebird day. Yeah. You could see everywhere and she had goggles on and was fine. I had sunglasses, so it was all good. Hmm. Outstanding. Father, daughter yeah. hiking. Fantastic. Good for you. I mean it. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. I have two daughters. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. How old is Caroline? She's 20 and she's getting ready to head off to Hawaii for her. Um, her ter- so she goes to a school that doesn't have semesters. They have like eight week terms. Okay. So she's going to be working an internship type of thing in Hawaii. Um, and she's going to be hiking in Hawaii. But I was like, let's get out at least one more time before you head out. And, you know, she wants to learn winter hiking. And I think, you know. She had asked to go hiking anyway, but with the events that happened recently, yeah. like it was sort of like top of her mind, I think, where she was like, you know, really, you know, kind of want to get out there and just sort of clear my head because you know, she's 20 years old, same age as Emily Satello and everything. So it was like a, it's just a, a rough weekend just sort of thinking through what happened with that. Yeah. Yeah. But all good. And uh, we didn't see too many people on on trail on Liberty, maybe like three other groups, which I was surprised. I thought we were going to see more people, but yeah, it looks pretty sparse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you catch that summit empty, it's always nice. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. Like you could like, I thought you could just stick your hand out and touch Mount Washington. It was just that type of day. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so uh, moving on, Stomp, you want to do notable listeners or you want to uh, yeah. skip that for next week? We've got a bunch here. We'll just clean the, the deck here. So notable listener okay. hike of the week, tag Slasher on your adventure to be considered for Slasher's hike of the week. No guarantees you'll be plugged on the show. <laughs> I love adding that. <laughs> People don't realize that it's literally just me yeah. and Mike doing all this nonsense. It's getting sort of crazy at the moment. But I, uh, I can add a recent hike. You want me to throw one in there? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, go, or, yeah of course. Already, if we moved on, if we moved on. Yeah, <laughs> take, we, have a, we have a script here. You know, take it away, my friend. Don't let the guest. So I last uh, last weekend was my <laughs> wedding anniversary and Mrs. Gentilly. I'll throw a lot of wife talk tonight. But um, That's awesome. Mrs. Congrats. Gentilly and I hiked... Uh, in Acadia National Park. So I'm working on a very slow redlining of Acadia National Park. And when I say very slow, um, <laughs> it's going to be a long time before I get there. But chipping away, it was the first time we hiked on the Scudic Peninsula side. And we did the Harbor Trail and we climbed up to the Anvil, what's called the Anvil. So two separate trails, both short, both, you know, I think it might have been six mile, you know, day total. But, you know, um, you know where the where the mountains meet the sea. I mean that. Oh yeah, that, that is, is cool. Oh, it's so cool up there. My wife's a big ocean junkie. She likes the ocean. So this is what this is how I steal. You know, vert. You know, with the misses. She doesn't even realize like she's hiking a little mountain. She just thinks she's playing around the ocean. And I'm sneaking. And you know, ah, it counts. It's a peak. It's a peak. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to do a peak a week. And then, uh, but anyways, it was it was really nice. The weather. We we caught a nice weather window and. 
Um, it's a, again a very special place, Acadia National Park, for for huh. hikers and for folks who who like mountains and ocean. So beautiful. There you go. Yeah, we got to stay in, t- in touch, Keith. So I've been wanting to do like a full deep dive episode on Acadia, but problem is, and Snop, you may want to drop the shame clipping you i haven't been there in like 15 years like i did a little bit of hiking like you know when me and my wife pre-kids you know we would go there but i haven't been there in so long i gotta get out there oh, yeah. and we were gonna go this summer but i just haven't got a chance to get out there yeah so a couple of things for me is, is my my kids have embraced it um so so it's become a a more regular we used to go once a year now we're going twice a year this year we went three times and so i just we always hike something different and of course, the mountains, um, for, for those listeners who maybe know or don't know, they're much smaller. You know, we're talking 1,200 feet. You know, we're talking even like we this summer we hiked Cadillac Mountain. So I've been I've driven up Cadillac Mountain for sunrise many times, but I never actually hiked up and over it. So my daughter and I hiked up and over it this year and did a ridge. And you're just walking for miles along a ridge and the oceans on one side and mountains on the other. And it's, you know, it's just this gorgeous, you know, postcard like New England, you know, nautical scenery. You know, there's between the islands and the boats and the lighthouses. There's a lot. There's a lot there to really, you know, you know, sink your teeth into. It's wonderful. Yeah, that sounds great. Even this time of the year, do you find that it's it, is it less crowded because yeah. the fall foliage is over? But is it still worth it, in your opinion, to go around this time of the year? Oh, absolutely. And I would say it's like any place that you know. Let's I'll, I'll use them an Adnock comparison. You know, that's down in my neighborhood. You know, you don't have to go up the White Dot Trail, people. And, you know, and, and, you know, you could stay off of Main Street. Katie is the same way. Stay off of Main Street. You know, you, you don't have to go look at Thunder Hole or Sand Beach. You can go to Southwest Harbor. You can go to Skudik Peninsula. There's all these different pieces and different trails. And just like I had never heard of Foss Mountain, and now you've mm. got my interest, um, <laughs> Acadia is the same way. You can go, you know, you can go swimming in a lake. You can go over to Echo Leak and cl- climb the beach cliffs. You don't have to go do the beehive or do uh, precipice where either they're lining, you know, people are lining up for, you know, and you don't have to do Cadillac. I had never done it, so it had been on the list. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, when, and it's funny because you get to the top and it was a very interesting Mount Washington-like experience. My daughter and I had hiked, you know, from where, where the my wife had dropped us off. We'd hiked up there, got to the top. Went in the gift shop with our backpacks, bumped into tourists from all over the world, you know, um, up on top of Cadillac. And she and, and so my daughter got to experience a little bit of that, you know, hiker tourism, you know, conflict. Her pack bumped into a woman literally buying postcards, literally buying postcards in the gift shop yeah. while she was trying to get her ice cream sandwich, you know, like her cookie witch that she was just I kept telling her. We'll get cookie witches up top, honey. It'll be great. <laughs> and the woman shot her daggers, you know, like, you know, because she was yeah. sweaty and all those cliches that, that we enjoy and we kind of embrace. And I was thrilled that, that she got to experience some of that for better and for worse, you know, like for all those reasons. Like, And then we went on our way, you know, and we went another three or four miles down the ridge, you know, back where there was nobody. There was nobody. So, yes. Gotta love it. Year round. And it's year <clears throat> round. You know, that's the beauty. Buy the national state, you know, the national park pass. Drop the 80 bucks. And, and, and go two or three times to get your money's worth. It's, yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get going on that for sure. So, but we'll, uh, we got you on our list to come back when we want to do a deep dive on Acadia for sure. All right. Yeah, and and uh, just to move it along, so notable hikes we have Steve Summits who did a solo Zealand Bonds Traverse, which brings him to forty-seven out of forty-eight. He's almost done with the forty-eight. Mm. Uh, Michael Ladavia, Kilburn Crags and Schilling Brewery, of course. Uh, Jakester. 
just tackled Mariah, bringing him up to 27 out of 48. Uh, more Marita with four A's, three or four A's. Finished the 48. Congratulations. Congrats. Steve Summits also finished the 48. And then last but not least, we have Full Strength Coffee who uh, tackled Wombeck. Pretty awesome. Good job, crew. Pretty good. Yeah. We have a um, a new sponsor. I th- I think this is the first time we're talking about this sponsor, but uh, we had Bryce on recently, and he is the owner and operator of Vaucluse Gear. Um, basically, do you guys love back sweat or what? I love back sweat. It's so so much fun. Well, here's the deal. Back sweat sucks in all types of weather and hikes. Not only is it uncomfortable, sweat is a risk factor causing your core temperature to fluctuate if it doesn't evaporate off your back. Check out Vaucluse's Cool Dry Backpack Airflow Frame, a backpack accessory that installs on your favorite pack, size 18 liter up to 65 liter, and creates an airflow gap between you and your pack. Whether you're in hot or cold temps, even if you have a pack with a curved frame, the cool dry frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow. So visit vaucluscegear.com to order a cool dry frame today. Very good, Stomp. And then um, do we have one more? Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Fieldstone Kombucha. This, this new format's throwing me a bit here. No. So New England's premier craft kombucha ships to New Hampshire. Check out Fieldstone Kombucha online for delicious seasonal flavors and a kombucha style beloved of skeptics and enthusiasts alike. And Mike is an enthusiast now. The perfect I do like it. Oh. I feel like they they saved me from my illness. I was sick and then I was drinking the kombuchas and I feel like it made me feel better. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. Uh, the perfect non-alcoholic post-hike drink. Shipping available for retail and wholesale. For more info, contact Emily Sheridan at emily at fieldstonekombucha.com or visit them at www.fieldstonekombuchaco.com. to Keith. This is your moment, Keith. Oh, look at he's sharing the wealth. <laughs> you want to try the spyglass? There you go. Try the spyglass. Oh my God, this is beautiful. I like it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Awesome. All right, Stomp. So you're going you're gonna to run the show tonight. Oh, I am. Yep. I'm going to ask you to run the show because you were the one that got more of the book than I did. <laughs> I know, you know, to be honest with you, uh, the, uh, the events last week sort of put a crimp in my reading time. Um, but I did get through it, Keith and you did, I, well, yeah, I did. Yeah, absolutely. I I plowed through it. So we have with us tonight, Keith Gentile, who just wrote a book, his first book, which is phenomenal. I really got to hand it to you. Writing a book in general is got to be one of the most challenging things ever. Um, and it's described as a four-year journey hiking and summiting New Hampshire's 48 highest peaks. Um, just to tell you a little bit more about Keith, he's a former sports writer who launched the new Boston Beacon uh, publication. 
uh, three-time columnist of the year by the New Hampshire Press Association. And the New Hampshire Press Association themselves named Keith a serious columnist of the year in 2021 and also named The Beacon Distinguished Newspaper. So uh, we're really glad to have you here, and thanks for taking the trip over to the studio. So how the heck did you hear about Slasher Podcast? Yeah, I've got a, a good friend of mine, a hiking partner of mine, is a slasher head. I mean, he oh. just is, you know? And um, so, I, yeah, I, like a lot of people, I've been listening to hiking podcasts for a long time. Uh, when the Dirtbag Diaries came out, they might be the godfather of all hiking uh, podcast. Arguably, we all have our favorites, but I was an old <laughs> Dirtbag Diaries junkie back, you know, 15 years ago. And I'm, uh, and then I picked up the trail show back in like 2012, 2013, the guys out of Boulder. Uh, and, and they drink a lot of beer and talk a lot of trail talk and uh, less gear, less gear, more beer is their, is their motto. Less gear, more beer. Oh, it's great. And that, that great podcast. And so I, uh, and this gentleman, my, one of my hiking partners knew I was a bit of a hiking podcast junkie at one time in my life um and he said i and i i've always said there's a void there's been a void in the white mountains that we us new hampshire hikers didn't have we didn't have a podcast we didn't have something to call our own and as i wrote in my my first email to you gentlemen i really believe you have filled that you've done more than filled that void you have you have filled it and given us hope and opportunity and the community here in New Hampshire an opportunity and I'm not I'm not saying that to 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 he praise on you I'm saying that 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 void was real and necessary <clears throat> I'll use the comparison to the book you mentioned earlier you know either the where you'll find me the last traverse um Ty Gagne's books you know those were necessary books for our community yeah just like I believe your your podcast is necessary so my hiking partner said hey I found this hiking show out of the White Mountains it's it's We've, we've been talking about this for years. Somebody finally did it. They're doing it. And so, and I picked you up, you know, later than he did. He, you know, took him a little while to win me over. And he's, and um, he's like, really cool. I think it was somewhere around like, I don't know, maybe episode 22 or something when I picked you up. I, I can't remember exactly. And you guys doing it weekly is a real, I mean, you know, you guys are content creators. And, you know, as somebody who publishes, I publish a newspaper once a month. I wrote the book. I, I create content. It's not easy. So, you know, cheers to you and cheers to my hiking partner for turning me on to uh, Slasser. So, yeah, that's how that happened. And uh, hmm. really kind words. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Uh, talking about your, your beacon, tell me about that. Is there this a large staff? Is it just you? I mean, how large of a endeavor is that? Yeah. So it's a monthly newspaper. Yep. We, put out one, we put out one issue a month. It's 24 pages. I do have a pretty good size, um, what I'll call contribute, you know, contributors, folks who contribute. Yeah. I've got five or six regular staffers who uh, who write something every month for me. They edit. They that they they contribute in any way I can. I can get them to contribute, and then I really lean on the town. Any key people in town, yeah. selectmen. Uh, the rec department, the library, the churches, the historical society, the town hall, the principal, the superintendent, everybody is either writing a column for me or contributing. The town administrator writes a column. Um, I lean on everybody to get me information. Mm -hmm. So once a month, the readers or the, the residents of our town, because we send it out free to every house, every house in town gets it free every month. And... Um, it really is a what's going on in New Boston, but it is a newspaper. It's a community newspaper that serves the community. We don't take a stand on political issues. 
we're not right, we're not left, and we take we, we pride ourselves on that. Yeah. We um, we're not trying to influence anyone. We're just trying to inform. And um, the paper's been very successful. We launched in 2018 mm-hmm. uh, at a time when newspapers were folding. And I got a lot of media requests that, you know, I, I did kind of the, the circuit when people said, you're launching a newspaper in 2018. And we've been real lucky. We've been we've we've won a lot of awards with the New Hampshire Press Association. You mentioned them. Thank you. Uh, the New England uh, newspaper association is also that that's who named us a distinguished newspaper and that that's a bigger award so much like we lost we 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 are distinguished newspaper is another way of saying runner up but we lost to we lost to to the providence journal you know providence business journal in rhode island and it was like that and we were the only only two newspapers in new hampshire were honored last year with that title distinguished newspaper by the new england press association the other being the keen sentinel which is a really strong newspaper and so to be in that conversation you know it's no like kidding. you know it's like being mentioned um you know like being mentioned with eric todd sweet in a conversation or be, <laughs> you know or being mentioned with you know uh you know and if you're a hockey player you're you know with wayne gretzky or something like that to be you know we're such a young paper and we put out and i and i did bring a couple i'll leave you a couple uh, sure. you can flip through it you know you can use it you can put it in uh maybe daphne's litter box you know if it helps and, um but read it first don't yes, read it first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's it's really been and as you gentlemen know the work is rewarding. If the work wasn't rewarding, we wouldn't be doing it. I'm not doing it for the money, um, but we are profitable now. It took a little while, um, but we had we we had to win over the the community, and it took a while. It probably took about six months to get people um, to begin to believe what I was saying. I was very consistent from day one. And then we and we put out a good product. And I'm my, I I believe I'm my toughest. Even with the book, I'm my toughest critic. You know, like mm-hmm. I know a good story. We were, we were, from the very outset, we were looking for interesting people doing interesting things, um, and we wanted to tell those stories. It was it was these are your neighbors. Um, they're not the enemy. You well, know? That, that ties in nice to your story because um, your book starts in 2012. Yep. And now, were you a hiker well before th- 2012 or w- what's your hiking history? Yeah. So I started hiking for real uh, in college. Uh, on a spring break trip, I climbed Mount Lacan in the Great Smoky Mountain National Forest or National Park. Uh, I was 6,300 or so. I forget the exact um how high it was, maybe 6,500. It was a big hike and it was a big mountain and it really had me look at things differently. I And I had done regular, I would climb a Nanak, I had done local hiking and things like that. But when I did that, I said, wow, this is the greatest thing I think I've ever done. Um, and I was, you know, in my early 20s, I was still in college. And that kind of launched me. I climbed Katahdin in 94 and that and that was a big- Which was, is something I've never done to, to date. <laughs> Katahdin? I have not been up there. It's it's been more of like a logistical thing. I just can't. Okay. The, just that drive, just like mm, yeah, that's a bit bit far away. And so, and I was young. So I was you know younger. I was in my twenties, and so we climbed it. You know, we climbed it the you know the young, energetic way. You know, you know, right right from Roaring Brook parking lot, right up to Chimney Pond, right up Cathedral, cross the knife edge, and then down you know Helen Taylor Trail all the way. One big loop, and it was. Uh, and it was an adventure of a lifetime all in one day, you know, and then and then out, you know, it was not an overnighter. It didn't involve um, more more than that. But but that was enough. And I was kind of on my way at that point. Um, and I would hike every year. And, and in 96, I put in an annual trip. And so every every weekend before Memorial Day, I was going to climb something big. And I just kept building on that and building on that. Um, mm. And then and then. uh as the story goes in the book, uh, 
My mother sent me a Backpacker, issue of Backpacker magazine. Yeah. And uh, I was flipping through it and I came across- oh, a Taste of the Alps. A Taste of the Alps. Yeah. And, and that was enough. And I, and that really changed everything. That really did for me. And, and that was in 2012. So it's 10 years, 10 years ago. And so the book just got published. And so this really was a 10 year, you know, from, from reading A Taste of the Alps, which was the Franconia Ridge Loop. Yeah. Um, that really set me on my way on on ten years of hiking um, with a real purpose, you know. All for all, you know. And I do say this with the utmost respect for people who are hiking for other reasons. But I was hiking for joy and for recreation and for entertainment. You know, I I say this again. You know, I, I wasn't. I didn't lose. I didn't lose a spouse or a child. I wasn't. You know, I'm not a cancer survivor. I, I wasn't wearing a costume. I wasn't carrying a log or or a cat or. You know, I was just hiking for for, for fun. <laughs> who do, who does that? Well, everybody on Chronicle, right? Everybody, you want to get on new. You want to get on New Hampshire Chronicle? Hike with a cat or a log, and and, and again, and I know Sean. You've had Sean on it, and he's done a lot more than just hike with a log. Oh yeah, he's a great guy. Unbelievable, unbelievable, yeah. totally inspirational, and so and that's why I say with all due respect, and and I'm just out there hiking because it was something I wanted to. And okay. I hiked in Virginia. So I lived in Virginia in the mid-90s. Um, and that and that really, hiking in, Ap, in, in, in um, Shenandoah National Park and, and hiking those mountains along Skyline Drive, that really fueled a lot of what I was doing. And that was all solo hiking, day and night solo hiking around um, Shenandoah. That really gave me a passion for summits which was new to me too, was being up top and looking down. Okay. And, um, and I talk a little bit about that in the book's intro where, you know, there was something about being up and looking down into these valleys and going, wow, this is, there, there's something, there's something to this. You know, the juice is worth the squeeze is really what I said, you know, sure. to get to the summit. And so that, that, that really, when I got back from Virginia, I moved back from Virginia uh, in 98, got married and, and really started getting out. Okay. So let me, let me just tell the listeners how the book's set up. So it's called White Mountain State. Yep. And it's uh, by a local publisher here in New Hampshire. Yep. Um, now you've set it up in terms of chapters or four years it took you to do the 48. Yep. So the first year is the, you know, basically your freshman experience, then sophomore, junior, senior. Yep. And then at the end of each chapter, you give a little cliff notes with, you know, the most important tips you took away from it, which I found were really cool. Um, but what you're telling me is you've been hiking for a long time. Time. I have, I have, but I, I think that there's a there is a real difference between hiking and climbing mountains, though. I think okay. I think that that would be the separation, you know, or if if we're going to draw a line, yep. where instead of just getting out and, and getting miles and, and and getting out into nature, you know, the 48 was the start of you know we're going to go up every time, and right from the start, I, I I did make the decision we would I would I would take what I would call either the most challenging route or the most interesting route, but it happened to take me four years. And so um, I did break it up. The, the book is broken up into four sections, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior yeah. year. And the metaphor is, you know, it was like four years of an education. It really was. Yeah, that's and that's great. where the title comes from, White Mountain State, because I really do. You know, when I, when I graduated at the end, our ceremony was at a high school. And at that ceremony, <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be like a Boy Scouts type of um, or, you know, a real small ceremony. They were going to hand me this diploma, you know, the scroll. But it was really a significant. The graduation was a big deal. It was standing room only. There was, six, was yeah, 700 pretty. people there. And it was they call your name and you make that long walk. And it really I mean, we were in a school 
and we were graduating and I remember <laughs> buying the t-shirt that day. I so I bought it I bought the 4000 footer t-shirt that day. Yeah, yeah. And I remember saying to the woman or you know at the table saying why doesn't it say class of 2015 on it? And oh, that's like, funny. And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, we're all part of the class of 2015. It should say class of, it should be noted on here. Yeah. And she said, I don't really know what you're talking about with class of 2015. And I was just, and, and I, in my application, which is in the book, my application, I wrote that I wrote that it felt like four years of high school at that time. <laughs> but then the more I look back on it and, and, and between 2015, my graduation and the book idea, five years passed. I never thought about writing the book while I was climbing the mountains. Yeah. Five years passed. And, and so many people had told me, you know, you really should write this book. You really should write, you know, you should tell your story. Um, and I and I and I and I didn't want I, thought I didn't want to. I didn't believe my and I still don't believe my story special. It's not. Uh, I am just a, I'm an average Joe hiker. I don't think I'm a, I'm not, I'm not an expert hiker. I'm not a guide. I don't, I don't, you know, I might, I, I did climb these mountains and I've climbed the hundred highest and I've, I've done a lot of hiking as a lot of people have, but I don't, but I do think the book can be used in, in a way that it, it can help others yeah. and might inspire others. But by no means am I saying do it the way I did it. It was just how I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, when I thought about it, uh, I realized that it was it was everybody's story that I wanted to tell that 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 came in contact with me while I was hiking, and that's when the book idea took off. Gotcha. That if I tell <laughs> if I can tell my hiking partners' stories, and all of a sudden now you've got four or five people who are um, going through something, something. Mm-hmm. We all have our challenges in life, you know, whether it's a divorce or children or work or buying a house or all the challenges that we all face every day. And you still get out and hike and you still prioritize it. And I felt like that that could be the foundation of the book and then more so the relationships between people. And suddenly it wasn't really a book about hiking. It was a book about people and relationships and challenges the same way if you watch Friday Night Lights and you think it's a great TV show. Well, it's not really a show about football. It's a show about people yeah. right it's about relationships and I, and that's when i when i realized i think i might have something the book might actually be something i can write mm-hmm. and so um i talked to my hiking partners and when they signed on um it, that's that's when the pro and it took a long time it you know uh i've used this analogy that it's kind of i have friends who've been divorced and uh and it, divorce takes a long long time a lot longer than anyone ever expects <laughs> That's what writing a book is about. Like, I, he, my book's published, and I still have the book trailer to do. I, I've got to do the Kindle. I've got to do an audio book, and it's been two years already. You know, it's kind of it just goes on and on. And yeah. But if you love it, and I do, and it's rewarding, and it's and it and it's important to you. You know, it's not necessarily work. I know that sounds cliche, but the truth is, it's something I want to do and I'm invested in. And I do think there's a takeaway for people. I do think there is something. Sure. And maybe it's the cliff notes at the end. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's start with the first year. So the first year you, you mentioned Franconia Ridge, that was your taste of the Alps. Yep. And this is back in 2012. Yep. And you covered peaks one through eight. What did, what what were your biggest takeaways during this period? Um, You know, I noticed personally that you did talk about um, solo hiking and the use of hiking partners. And then you touched upon in chapter three, understanding that it's sort of nice to 
slow it down and make sure you catch all the sites yeah. that are out there. So why don't you talk about the first chapter, yeah. uh, the first year? Okay. So year one was uh, I, I made the decision to, to focus on Franconia Notch. I wanted to mm. become an expert on one area. And so my goal was to wipe out Franconia Notch in the first year. <laughs> and that's it. And so, and, and, and I, you know, it, I did everything but Canon, you know, those four hikes. So we started with the, with the Franconia Ridge Loop. That was the goal. I talked about that. And then it only made sense to do Liberty and Flume next because I had this love affair with the Franconia Ridge. There were two more mountains on it. Yeah. And we went straight up Flume Slide, and right? You know, made it as hard as we could on ourselves. Um, and it was, and, and, and at this point, I didn't know if anyone was coming with me. You know, so it was, I was going to do this and I would tell people I'm doing this and sometimes people, you know, oh, I'll join you. But they weren't on board for the 48. They were on board for that day. Yeah. And then I, it, you know, yeah. it only made sense to go across the street to Kinsman because from there you can see the Franconia Ridge. I do the Kinsman's and kind of wipe out that area. And, yeah. um, and then the last hike of my freshman year was Musalaki and each of the individuals had, who had joined me so far Everybody came on the Musalaki hike, and I call it the Fitchburg State Hiking Club because these were all guys I went to college with and graduated with and lived with, and it was a real, it was a real experience, and it was a, it felt we felt like a hiking club in that moment. You know, the four of us did this hike, and it rained, and it was overcast, and it was it was a crappy day, but it was a wonderful day. And we did the Beaver Book Trail. We took the toughest route up. You know, in the rain. You know, up and down that trail. Oh yeah, in the rain. It's a you know, but 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 you add the waterfalls with the company. And getting to the top of Musalaki and or Musalak, uh, I want to make sure I say that. A lot of folks are going to catch. <laughs> Just me say that. it both ways, and you're covered. Yeah, thank you, thank you, much. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, but, but but this is important. It was mid to late October when we did that hike. Okay, we came down and we parted ways, and it was like that's the end of the hiking season. And because at that point in my life, I was not a winter hiker. Right, I it, noticed that. In the it book. wasn't on my radar, and I and I share that. And you know, we did a lot of things wrong, and we we, we made a lot of wrong turns, or we you know, and the gear. I, I, I highlight the clothes I'm wearing in those photos. Um, and none of it was a problem. None of it was a. Ch- it was just what we were doing. Um, I didn't. You know, we weren't interested in gear at that point. We were just interested in getting out and being together. You yeah. know. Even though we were in our 40s, we were still young enough to where, you know, we knew we were going to get up and down the mountain. We knew we were going to have a ball. You know, we knew that was that there was no getting around that. Um, but we parted ways and we parted ways. And I felt good. <laughs> I, we, I felt good about about where I was at the end of freshman year. I got to my goal at the end of freshman year. And it was like, all right, let's start thinking about the spring. You know, isn't what, that funny? Yeah. 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 I'm like, do you have any questions well, at all so far? No questions, but it is funny. I am heading up to Musilaki tomorrow morning to meet one of my old college buddies. I'm taking him up Glencliff because he's just sort of starting his hiking um, at this point. I think he's knocked off a couple of 4,000 footers. But, um, you know, so when you said, oh, I, I hiked with my college friends up, up Musilaki, I was like, oh, I'm going tomorrow. Nice. So it's a great place to go, especially when you're in that freshman year. Yeah. And, and I'll say like each of those hikes, there were takeaways like you know, coming down. So we made the, we, we came down falling waters and that's so steep and it's dangerous. And I write about that. Um, but I'm glad we went that way. I'm glad we went, you know, clockwise. I, I've done it both ways many times as you guys probably have. And uh, it's still my favorite way to go. I think you've got to me going up falling waters while safer and more conservative. You just, 
you just you just sacrifice all that magic, you know, of going up the bridal path, going up to the green leaf, looking out. To me, that's to me that the a lot of the magic in that loop is 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 getting to see it as as you ascend, get up to Lafayette, and then it's downhill. Yeah, you know, right. down the ridge. Sure, and you enjoy all that. Now I know, and I'm not telling anyone out there that's the way they should do it. But I do think I would consider it, and if you feel strong enough and you trust yourself. Um, but that that takeaway coming down, you know, falling waters, that's a challenge. The same way going up flume slide, that's a challenge. Well, I think this is an important point that we've lost touch with over the last few years, especially you know with COVID and all that. It's just your uh, acceptance of risk, your experience levels and this this and that. Um, in the second year of your book, you talk about group dynamics and this and that, but um, it's funny you say that because I was coming down Welch Dickey. Uh, remember I, I texted you coming down from the Grand Traverse, Mike, and I said, you know, Mike, I'm going to go down Welch because I just want to trigger some people because yeah. <laughs> there's that assumption yep. that you have to go this way. But no, it all depends upon your experience and your willingness to accept a certain level of risk. And I noticed that you talk about that in the uh, sophomore year of your book where, you know, you you start balancing out the problems with group dynamics versus solo hiking. And, you know, we've had Ty on talking about that as well. He goes into great depth talking about that. But if you could talk about that a little bit, that'd be fantastic. So I think think if, if, if you're going to climb... If you're going to set out to do the 48 and, and you know, maybe you just do some of them, maybe you don't do. But if, if you're eventually going to finish them on whatever pace you decide to do, I think I don't I'm not saying anyone should. But I think I think you should embrace solo hiking. I really do. I think because by embracing solo hiking, you, you, you understand that you're responsible for you and you learn things when you're alone that you don't learn when you're with others. And the noise of hiking with others is gone. And that soundtrack is replaced by your own thoughts and by the stream and by the, you know, what might or might not happen, what you have to do. I think if you really want to become self-reliant, you should hike. I don't want to say should. You should consider hiking solo. It's still mm-hmm. up to the individual. Yeah. Um, I really, really embraced hiking solo. I had I'd hiked solo a lot in Virginia, um, out of necessity. There was I didn't have anyone to hike with, uh, and but I really came to embrace it. But when, but there were times that I hiked solo and I missed my hiking partners. You know, mm-hmm. I, I cherish my hiking partners, and I write a lot about how important they are. I believe your hiking partners are your greatest set of gear. If you're hiking with people, they're more important than your hiking poles. They're more important than your outer shell. Your your hiking partners are the your most important. You need to rely on them and trust in them. Um, for, for again, it should be, you should be happy out there. It yeah. should be fun. Now, I'm a big believer in type two fun. I don't talk about it that much in the book. I thought about talking about it more, <laughs> but I do believe in type two fun. And if, if you're listening and you don't know what that is, <laughs> you know, type two fun is this isn't fun. Uh-huh. But then when it's over and you look back and go, boy, that was fun. That was really fun. Yeah. You know, that's type two fun. And I do believe in that. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, so the, the dynamics really did take off in the second year when 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 my hiking, my hiking friends and my college roommates and the people in the book began to buy into the 48 one by one. Each of them began to buy in and say, I think this might be something I'll do this might. Yeah, I think, you know, um, one of them buys in quicker. 
one of them slowly buys in and one doesn't buy in until like junior year. And, um, <laughs> and that, and that really is fascinating looking back on it. And I write, I, and I, I let the reader, you know, I don't do that much in terms of character development. I let, I let the quotes kind of develop the characters, what people say, what people say about them, what we say about each other. You really can tell a lot about, about the hiking dynamics and each person's personalities based on what either they're saying or what someone's saying about them. I don't, I try and show and not tell the reader, you know. Um, and so when we, when we, when that spring hit, you know, we got out there in April, it was like, okay, let's go get some peaks. Let's, let's, let's get after it. So. Okay. Had you experienced post-holing and things like that prior? Not prior to sophomore year. So okay. April saw, you know, April so, of the second year, we go up, you know, and, and that's when it started. Yeah. Okay. Just, just briefly, Mike. So what, what happened in your gear selections and what you packed from first year to second year? Yeah. So um, when, when we finally experienced post-holing and ice, you know, we went yeah. out, we all went eventually, you know, and, and it's all in the book that we eventually all got our spikes and we got our, our snowshoes. Um, you know, the layering, we all, we all did better and better. I, you know, I was wearing Techwick from the start. I will say that I was wearing Techwick and I was layering from the start. So from, from a clothing standpoint, I was always pretty comfortable. I'd been reading backpacker magazine for years, you know, and I was, you know, and I was reading hiking books, you know, I'd read Bill Bryson's book and, um, following Atticus came out at this time, and I, I read that when that came out. Um, Great author. Oh God! You, you know, know I, I've actually considered trying to reach out to him to get him on, but um, I haven't had a, found any contact information. So if you're listening, Tom Ryan, <laughs> yeah, Tom is a great New, guy. Newspaper man, newspaper man. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, yeah. from one town over. I, I was I'm Holliston, Massachusetts. He was Medway, Massachusetts. <laughs> was, uh, you know, his yeah. newspaper was in Newburyport, but he grew up in Medway. Um, yeah, and I'm the, I'm the town next to Newburyport. I'm in Amesbury, yeah. so we got a bunch of connections. Start make it happen. Yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah, he. I don't know that he's local anymore. I mean, he he does Windows yeah. of the Wild. He does William Lang show sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you, his book. By the way, this is a tangent, but his book was one of the things that I really enjoyed. I was reading everything. Yeah. yeah. And this is also part of my own personal story to, towards my book. I was reading everything I could read. I watched every documentary uh, about hiking I could find on YouTube and, and the various stations. And, and I was motivated later in life to write the book because I was tired of people who weren't writers writing books about hiking. <laughs> Bill Bryce and Cheryl Strayed, who both wrote good books, and I read them both, and I watched both of those movies, but they weren't hikers. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then huh. and then you've had people on, you know, Ken Bossy, right? And he must have said oh, yeah, on your Ken show good. eight times. So well, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. He kept saying it over and over again. I'm like, Ken, I think we hear you. You know, yeah. and he's and he's a hoot, and you guys know that. Um, and I kept saying, he's a comic. Yeah, he's I'm, a den of comic. Yeah, I, think, I think I am a writer, and I am a hiker. You know what? I think I do need to write a book. And, and 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 share some stories of what goes on out there. And that's why I think the book is relatable too, because I do tell the truth. It's nonfiction. This is what happened. It might be the PG thirteen version of what happened out there. But um, you know, it is it is what happened. It is um the challenges that we faced. Right out of the gate in April, yeah, we go yeah. Up, yeah, we went after we went after the Osceolas and we had trouble and we it was the it's the one hike in the book. We didn't hit the summit that we set out for. It only happened once and yeah. it was it was that day. Um, and we tried to get there two different routes and we failed and we ended up summoning Takumsa that day. Yep. Uh, and then we went back the next week 
Um, and I think it was early May. It was like late April, early May. We got to the summit of Osceola. Still no snowshoes. We post hold, and it was it was a fascinating you know experience and learning. It's why it's an education. It's why they give you a diploma when you're done yeah. because it really was you know there's got to be there's got to be a tool that keeps my foot from going through the snow. There must be something out there. What could it be? <laughs> what could it be? What could it be? You know, there just has to be. And then, um, and then the next hike we did Wombeck, and, uh, and and I write about the ice. We ran into ice, and and, and it was, you know, you know, the, so that and, you know, the book in its totality has these chapters on snow, on ice, and rain. You know, on hiking solo, night mm-hmm. hiking, backpacking. You know, when you when you add them all up, I really, I really think that somebody can take away all these themes and messages, and and do what do with it what they please. Of course, yeah. Um, but but we we. We were adding gear. I, I, I'll speak for myself. I was adding gear pretty regularly at that time. Yeah. I added hiking poles pretty quickly. I downsized my pack. I start with a 55. I start with the Gregory Z55 backpack of the year. Yeah, yeah. Backpacker <laughs> magazine. And I can remember carrying it up flume and, and, and I had somebody say to me, well, that's a nice pack. I'm like, yeah, but it's 55 liters. I, I, I I'll, I'll be, I'll be back at the car in four hours. I don't, right. you know. And I went to an Osprey. I went to the a 33. Um, anyways, we, I was adding, you know, gear little piece by piece by piece, and and it all helped. But really, like like anyone will tell you, gear doesn't get you up and down the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's it's still decision making. It's still thinking. It's planning. I was a real junkie. One of the things looking back. Um, and hearing my hiking partners and my wife talk about it in the interviews, yeah. um, they all praised me, or that's a bad word. They all reminded me how much I was reading the guides and studying the maps. And that was part of the college um, metaphor, you know, going to the bookstore, buying the books, buying the maps, studying the campus routes, knowing where to park, knowing where to go reading everything and really planning. And I know, Mike, you're a spreadsheet guy. You're you're kind of an information junkie. And so <laughs> I was doing that. I was doing that. I was really, we'd get on trail and I'd have my map around my neck. I was wearing it, you know, in a lanyard. A lot of the pictures you can see the map because I refuse. I always wanted to know where we were, what was coming, what, where we came from. And um, after the 48, I kind of moved on from that. Like, when I did the 67 and the 100 highest, it was more like, ah, let's see what happens. We're bushwhacking today. You know, and I got lost a bunch of times just trying to park, you know, trying to find the trailhead on some <laughs> logging roads in Maine. And, and I think any of you 100 highest folks who have done the Maine six-pack know those challenges. And, and, mm-hmm. and I was winging it a little bit more after. And it wasn't because I was ultra confident. It was or, you know, it's just a different approach. I just decided, you know, I'm going to kind of see where it goes on this. Um, and, and, and I will say that sophomore year really set the table. It was really a it's on. And I and that's the first chapter is called It's On because my hiking partners had signed on. And uh, as we started to check off peaks, you know, it was like, OK, what's next? Well, backpacking, mm. you know. So in sophomore year, we do the bonds. We do an overnighter. Mm-hmm. And we really things really take off, you know, on an overnight trip Four guys. Who oh, the, sure. We all went to college together. You know, we all kind of, you know, we were all at each other's weddings. You know, we all, you know, we've, we've, we've helped raise each other's kids. You know, all those, all those relationships and bonds, no pun intended, on, and I mean that. And then there we were. No, I didn't, I didn't mean that. You know, on a 20 mile, on a 20 mile hike, you know. And, mark that, and it, mark that one storm. Yeah, oh, I got it. Yeah. And it's all, and it all, everything kind of came together. And so, you know, 
we're kind of hitting the halfway point or working our way towards the halfway point or my halfway point and everything was just going really well where where the participation was right on the execution was right on nice even when it was challenging it was fun uh and we always we, we kept or I kept planning the toughest route and that's not, we were the, we're the opposite of what like, uh, you know, a hardo hikers, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're slow and methodical and we're stopping to smell the roses and we're hitting every, you know, pond waterfall, every scenic vista we're breaking, you know, we not, nothing was done fast. You know, I think coincidentally my, my solo hikes, I moved a lot faster because I was alone, you know, like yeah. I, I, my, my breaks were much shorter. Um, sure. Yeah, and Keith, I had um, I had a, just a point about the the solo hiking. Is one thing I want to just remind the listeners is that not all solo hikes are equal. So there's a difference between you know you got to pick your route and you got to pick your time. Like there's a big difference between going solo hiking and climbing Mount Washington, and taking Nelson Crag on a Tuesday morning versus going up Tuckerman Ravine on a Saturday. So even if you are in a situation where you're you know you're in your sophomore year and you're in you know you're trying to get you know, you're in the 20s for your 4,000 footers. If you pick a peak where you know you're going to go at a time where people are going to be on trail, like you're not, you're solo hiking in the sense that you're going to be by yourself, but you can, there's a lot of like sort of risk mitigation that you can do by picking your time and your route in an area where you know there's going to be more people there. That's not always like a popular thing for me personally. The more experience I got when I started hiking, solo pretty significantly like i would do i would try to find the most the route where i'm going to see the least amount of people but if you're nervous about solo hiking you know just keep in mind that it's not always a scenario where you're like by yourself in the middle of the woods like there's a lot of places you can go where you're going to see other hikers you just have to pick the date and you have to pick the route correctly yeah mm-hmm. yep and i'll you know I, I will go back to what i said earlier about that if, if you're going to climb all 48 one of the reasons i think embracing solo hiking is because if you if you put yourself in a situation where you're relying on other people's schedule and to get you to where you want to go that that plan can bog down you know and i, I want to say that in the most simplest way that 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 if there's something that you want to do and it's your goal then then solo hiking and, and the advice i would give on solo hiking to follow up mike's point would be you know, make your first solo hike a hike you've done before. Do and do it locally. Don't it doesn't have to be in the White Mountains. You know, if if you live in Southern New Hampshire, go climb the Uncanoonic solo. Go go climb. You know, something small. You know, whether it maybe Welsh Dickey. If you've climbed Welsh Dickey with friends three or four times, go do that solo. You know, hike where you know. Don't don't make your first solo hike somewhere you don't know what's around the corner and you don't know what the effort is. It's kind of like you know the first time you take your kids, you know, your young babies out in in in, in car seats, like. You know what it takes to move yourself, but when you pick up children and you're moving them and all the gear and you've got the playpen over your shoulder <laughs> and you got the diaper bag, you don't actually know how much energy it takes to move children and all the items that you have to learn that. And you don't want to put yourself in a situation for the first time where you're learning, you know, what's around the corner. So yeah, that's um, a good point. Well, that takes us into the junior year because you start learning all over again, breaking into winter. So it, yeah. in the book, it seems like your junior year is sort of an introduction to winter hiking. And then the senior year is like the full blown winter experience. So let's go back to the junior year and talk about your your dive into winter. Yeah. So junior year was really the year, just like anyone, um, same as college, same as high school. Junior year is your big year. Uh, it's the year that you're kind of come, you, 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 you know, you're, you're in it. 
and you're all invested and you know you've got a way to go. But see, senior year is bittersweet. You've exit strategy. You got to think about your job. Where am yeah. I going to, you know, what am I going to do next? You know, like, so senior <laughs> year has got these, there's this whole different feel to it. Junior year is the year. And so we, we, we were chomping at the bit to get out and do winter hiking. And I, luckily I had experienced some winter hiking in, in sophomore year, you know, winter conditions. It just wasn't on the, it wasn't between the, uh, vernal, gotcha. you know, the, uh, the, the winter solstice and the vernal equinox, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. so it wasn't, you know, the AMC wouldn't recognize it as winter hiking, but we climbed the Cabot cabin and it was snowing and it was a blizzard. You know, we mm-hmm. went up to Cabot, um, I had hiked in the snow a few times. So by the time we get to junior year, we went out January 2nd. We did the Franconia Ridge and it was gnarly, gnarly, you know, winds and snow. And it was it was everything you could ask for in a winter hike. And, you know, so in this that time we went up falling waters. Mm-hmm. Um, we went we were wearing spikes. We broke at Little Haystack and, um, you know, we layered up, you know, right right at tree line. We layered up, you know. And we talked, there was four of us, and we talked about it. You guys ready? This is what we're going to do. We're going to get up. You know, we're going to have one point, you know, 1.9 miles. You know, we're going to hit the sign for the That's green spot. We're going to turn left. And these guys were, these, you know, these guys were new, um, but everybody was rearing to go. And we got up there and um, we caught a little sunshine. Like we caught this break in the weather. And it was, it was almost like, like the fall summit type feeling like, oh, this isn't, you know, what? Is, and then, then the wind came and now we're in it. We're in it. And, um, yeah. and that was a really, really nice moment where we did, we did the ridge and visibility got worse and worse. It was tougher to stay on trail, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, I, I've done, I'd done that loop a couple times at that point. So I knew where we were going. I had, I had full confidence. We were, we were not going to miss the, the left for Greenleaf, you know, to get, to go down. Sure. Um, and ha- you know, that's, that's the danger and it's real danger. Yep. Um, but there was yeah. four of us and we, we stayed on trail and I, and at, at one point, one of the gentlemen, one of the hikers, and this is not in the book, but we did have a hiker who got nervous and ask some questions and you know you, you go through the process are you hungry no are you thirsty no are you cold no do you know where you are yep okay we all know where we are you know what's ahead of us yep okay all right mm-hmm. so visibility is a challenge wind audio is a challenge because yep. we couldn't hear each other i said but we just we got to stick together and then um as we descended from the Greenleaf hut down we did that follow the leader from Karn to Karn mm-hmm. um and it was important it was really important we, we were all dialed in with each other we had a GPS mm-hmm. uh and one of us was using it and at one point me I made the wrong call I went from Karn to Shrub that was snow covered that mm-hmm. looked like it was a Karn sure sure and um That's all it takes very quick and, and so I took us off trail but he the same gentleman who had been worried earlier in the hike um, he had noticed on his GPS, hey, I think we're off trail. This is showing us that we're, you know, we're a little north of the trailer or to the right. And, and we just made it back. I, I picked the wrong car and we got back and made it down to Greenleaf. Where what, what kind of conditions was it? Was it uh, blowing snow at the time? Or? Yeah, there were squalls. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah it was okay. squalls. And, 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 you know, we were socked in. So the visibility was, was the biggest challenge. The wind, squalls, wasn't, I mean, and there's a picture in the book from that day. There's a picture in the book, um, from from the summit of Lafayette, and and I didn't even need that. That hike isn't even part of my forty eight, but I put it in to make that point that it set the it set the table for the the winter hiking that that, that followed. Mm. Yeah. This is something I really want to touch upon. Um, you know, when the time is right, but you know, knowing the forecast, 
making sure, I mean, doing the best you can with squalls. Squalls yeah. always cause big problems up here. Yeah. Big problems. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we had checked it in the parking lot. We had checked it on the way up. We knew where we were going to get into, luckily. And I put I put the weather I put the weather in the book. It's in there so people can read it. Yeah. Because um, we had, we we had cut and pasted it, you know, um, from emails. We were emailing it to each other before we departed. Yeah. Um, you know, this is what we're looking at, gentlemen. Everybody feel good about it. And so from there, and uh, I think it was March first, we did Eisenhower, yeah, and, and Pierce on snowshoes, uh, and it was a bluebird day. But we ran into um, some spruce traps, and that so that was a new experience. New experience. So, you know, we, I had, I had post hold, you know, I hit hikes on different hikes. And yeah. on this hike, as we made our way around Eisenhower, mm-hmm. you know, going down Edmonds Path, um, we ran into, for me, that was a new experience. I mean, How deep? Yeah. We were on top. We were on top of those trees. And I'm heavy, by the way. I'm, I'm a heavy hiker, you know, in snowshoes with my backpack. I can, I'm 300 pounds. So, mm. um, so, I, you know, if anyone's going in, I'm going in. Um, it's exhausting. Yeah. 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 It's absolutely exhausting. But God, it was fun. It's yeah. wonderful. You know, like, I'm glad that we experienced it. You know, I'm glad that because you, you don't know, you don't know what you you don't know what you don't know, right? You, yeah. you, you know, until you actually fall. You know, and it's in the book. You know, where, where the guy behind me is laughing at me, and then he's five minutes behind me, and then he goes in. You know. So what's the um by this third year of this adventure? What's the family dynamic? Were they joining you or were they waiting at home anxiously? What what was going on then? Yeah, so I was very fortunate that that my family was supportive. They were not joining me. Um, I was getting my kids out on smaller hikes, you know, here and there. You know, I would take them out to Willard. I got them up to Square Ledge across from Pinkham Notch. Gotcha. Um, and then I would get them out in, in Southern New Hampshire. So the Uncanunics for me, Joe English Hill, Crotchet, Monadnock, all around the Monadnock region. But I wasn't taking my kids up 4,000 footers at that time. But my wife um, was very supportive. Uh, she, she knew it was important to me. She knew it was something I wanted to do. And she basically just signed off on, on, you know, she knew that if I was going hiking, it was going to be a full day. I'd be gone when she woke up and I'd be home when she'd be in bed or, you know, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. But sure. as I write in the book, I always told her my route. I left it on the refrigerator. I told her the route. I told her the time of day I would be on trail and the time of day I would be in the car. And, um... And that served us well. That gave her, and I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. I, I got really good at knowing I'm going to be in, on trail from 11 to 7. I'll be back in the car. I'll text you. And uh, only once, only once, and I think it's chapter 25 uh, in senior year, coincidentally, only once were we so far behind schedule that she got nervous and she got really worried. And it was, and it became a thing. Only once on the, uh, you know, there was 26 hikes. It was like hike twenty five that she actually, you know, where she she got nervous because I was about I was about three hours behind, okay. and I was never behind like that, never, um, because I I knew I you know I knew what it took to get up and down. I've and, been there, yeah, I've been there, yeah. waiting for Mrs. Stomp to come home a couple times. Yeah. It's it's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, the book really takes off in junior year. Junior year, we really so whether it's my solo hiking or it's hiking with. Um, the Fitchburg State Hiking Club, my Fitchburg State friends. Yeah. And then we introduced a couple new characters uh, in, in junior year where folks that from New Boston started hiking with me. Um, and then I did one hike with some guys from friends from high school. And so I try and tell their stories, you know. And so all of a sudden now, instead of it just being four people's stories you're getting in the book, uh, that number that number goes to six, really. Um, and then within one chapter, I tell the story of two guys I, I 
went to high school, knew in high school and hiked with, uh, we did isolation together. And, um, and, and I feel like all of those, all of those junior year stories is there's, there, there's a lot of meat on that bone where, where there's overnights, there's, you know, one of the chapters is embracing the beauty, really, really embracing the beauty of the white mountains and, and finding, finding something else out there. Um, this, of course, is a chapter called "Embracing the Brutality." That you know, that, yes, <laughs> because you know, that's another that's another piece of, of the whites. But um, I really do think junior year, and so there's a couple of chapters that are much longer. You know, so for the reader, um, I call it like my like a double album. You know, it's like one one of those chapters. That, you know, it's like it's like the white album as you know it goes on. You know, um, or, or your psychedelic phase. Yeah, yeah, your double album of choice. But 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 some of those chapters are longer because the hikes were longer and more was happening. And you know, I try and tell the story of what happened out there. You know, uh, yeah. You know, this is what took place. This is what you know it took for these four guys, or and you know. In some cases, it was me alone, or two of us, or three of us, whoever was on the hike. But you know, for us to get up and get down and get back to the car, yep. Um, and it's uh, you know, the relationships with the mountains, the relationships with each other. I I think I think there's a lot a lot to look at there and 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 see it develop over time. So this is a good sort of lead in here because Mike and I are doing this um, hike soon with pretty much new winter hikers it's you know it's december 1st today what are your your basic tips for new winter hikers i know you've talked about just safety you know just checking in on each other and distancing and whatnot but anything else you want to add to that yeah so i you know i do think from 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 a layering and a clothing standpoint people should really understand that that you know you know layering up but also layering down you know and Mm. in a perfect world you know, on a winter hike, if you don't layer up at all or layer down at all, if you can go from the car up and down back to the car without taking anything off or putting anything on, you're really doing well, right? Like you're the, talking about a trail runner. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> a half naked trail runner. You know, I would say, you know, like with hiking with strangers, I think one of the things or, or new people, it's for me, it's pace. You know, I always tell mm, people. Yeah. If somebody is telling you that you're hiking at the wrong pace or somebody else is telling you you need to go faster or slower, I'd say that's fi- bad. I say find a new hiking partner. Yeah. Because you got your pace if you think you're hiking slow, well that's that's wrong. You yeah. you, you don't have a slow or a fast. You have your own pace. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't think whether it's slow or it's fast. It should just be what you're comfortable with it. Not just your body, but your mind, you know. Yeah. Every time I did these hikes, I always, always looked at it as a full day. I was never in a rush to get back to the car. Mm-hmm. You know, why, if I'm driving that far, why do I want to go home? I would rather be in the mountains than be at home. Yeah. You know, I always, in this case, now, now, outside of the 48, there's days I do half-day hikes. Sure, of course. I might go do crotchet. I go, you know, get up and get down. Got to get back and rake the yard or whatever whatever it is. Take the kids somewhere. Yeah. But when I was doing the 48, I, w- I made sure that we were going to spend an hour on the summit minimum. Minimum. Nice. Oh, that's, come that's on. Smart. You get all the way up there. And, and view or no view, you know, or, mm-hmm. or somewhere I, we'd find a spot, um, you know, on the way up or way down to just stop and and enjoy enjoy the, the day out and each other's company. Yeah. Um, but I would I would tell anyone who is hiking if, if you 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 got to find the pace that suits you, and, and 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 you know it's between the ears as much as it is you know you know your body, um, it's because it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun. It's supposed to be fun, and they really, 
you know, and in winter, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be about temperature. You know, it, your body warms up so fast. People shouldn't be cold. You know, there's no reason to be cold with the kind of clothing you can buy today. So you, when you when you start to remove those challenges, okay, you're not going to be cold. You're certainly not going to be hungry. You shouldn't be thirsty, right? All of these things are we can control. And so what can't we control? Well, we can't control somebody's emotional state and how they feel and, and their, like their place in the pecking order. Just because you're behind someone doesn't mean you're inferior. Just because you're 100 yards behind, because someone's moving faster doesn't make them any more you know, stronger than you. The weakest hiker is not the one who's last. In many cases, the strongest hiker is, is pulling up the rear. And I write about that in the book at some points where, where the strongest hiker has to fall back and help the others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would tell anyone. You, you're, even though you're in a group, you're really in it on your own. You have to think about you have to think about owning your own space and being responsible for yourself. And then if you can contribute to the greater good of the group, maybe you bust out, you know, you bust out around a Snicker, you know, mini Snickers bars for everybody. Maybe you do contribute to the greater good, but the, the best way you can contribute to the greatest good is to just take care of yourself and be confident. And if you're not confident, you've got to tell somebody and you've got to tell somebody when it's early. You've got to be you've got to be ahead of it. If your knee, like you said recently, if your knee's acting up, you've got to tell somebody, you know, before it's a problem. Yeah, because you've right. got to you've got to talk through it. And, and so I do I do put in the book that that talking about this stuff on trail and we call it trail talk, you know. Today's Terrell talk. What, what are we, you know, what's, you know, are we going to, we going to break down Ozzy Osbourne lyrics again? You know, now we've done that. You know what, what's today's <laughs> trail talk going to be? Um, because you've got eight hours, you've got eight hours to, you know, to, to fill, you know, that soundtrack. And so you should get into, you should, or you, you should not leave out how your body's feeling, mm-hmm. whether it's your ankles, your knees, your hips, right? You know, all these little things that, that, you know, is there any chance of anyone cramping? You know, I've cramped plenty of times. You know, oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so are you prepared, you know, and are you prepared for it? Are you carrying, you know, whether it's salt tablets or in my case, I would carry ham, a hunk of ham. And, mm. it, would, and it would always help me. Um, mm. So, yes. So, so Well, this is great. Yeah. Um, when is the book available? It's out now. The book it is. is yeah, sure. You can buy it at Mountain Wanderer. You can buy it at White, uh, White Birch Books in North Conway. You can buy it at Gibson's in Concord. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Barnes and Noble. Yes, so it's online, major retailers and independent bookstores. The book is out and um, yeah. That's fantastic. All right, and again, it's White Mountain State. Mike, did you have any final questions? I guess um, a couple things come to mind here. So you use this high school analogy you know, when you wrap up and you're at your senior year, do you feel like there was any scenarios where you were sort of at the end of it where, you know, you realized like, oh, you know, I sort of have a, a blind spot in this particular area or I didn't really focus on, um, you know, learning about one or two particular things that would help me? Is there any tips or tricks that you learned sort of towards the end of your journey that you look back on and say like, oh, you know, I wish I'd picked those up a lot earlier? No, no. What I would say is I couldn't wait to get onto the New England 67. You know, we were out, we went immediately out, all of us, all of us. And we started crushing New England 67 peaks and it was a hoot. I mean, it was fun. We were ready to just basically, so, you know, the college analogy, you know, got, got our undergrad here in the White Mountains and the New England 67 really was your master's program, you know, longer drives, you know, different states, you know, some of the, you know, the, like the Bigelows in Maine. Oh God, 
you know, southern, you know, southwestern Vermont, Equinox, like those mountains, so different than the whites. It was beautiful. Jay Peak, um, you know, Camel's Hump, Mansfield. I'd done Mansfield a few times before, but did it differently this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it was just like, no, let's get, let's let's get on with the education, and then you know, doing the New England Hundred Highest immediately. So it was two years. Two years for the New England 67, 2016, 2017. Two years for the 100 highest, 2018, 2019. And that was like, I don't know, PhD or doctorate, what, you know, in, in this analogy. Um, because when you start bushwhacking and you're off maps and it's a totally different game and, and everything going back to freshman year, now I'm in year eight, you know, trying to find, you know, whether it's Scarridge here locally or Vosper, but, you know, the main six pack trying to find elephant. If I think you guys know these mountains, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if your listeners don't, um, you know, and you, and, and you and you decide that, you know, what's next after the 48, these are just options. And, you know, um, I, one of my friends is from Buffalo, one of the the, 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 the slasher head that I mentioned earlier. Uh, he, he, he banged out. <laughs> the, awesome. He banged out the four Adirondack 46 because he's a New Yorker. He, he, that's what he wanted to do. Um, I, I'm being from Southern New Hampshire and I, I'm very New Hampshire proud. I banged out as much as I could in the Monadnock. I redlined Monadnock. I did, uh, the Wapak trail, the Monadnock Greenway, uh, Monadnock Sunapee Greenway. And then all of those peaks in Southern New Hampshire, because I live in Southern New Hampshire. And so, you know, it's like, you know, what's next? Well, anything can be next. You know, take what you learn in the whites, where it's the gnarliest terrain, you know, the worst weather. You know, you know, if you if you can get through that or you choose to go through all that, you know, then you can really take that experience and and, and the reward is, well, you're not gonna have too much trouble in you know in southern New Hampshire after after, you know, doing all of this other stuff. So really, yeah. um, it was all very rewarding and 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 worth it because now, you know, now <laughs> A little longer in the tooth, you know, like, you know, you know, looking back, you know, these 10 years and the book was two years. You know, the book was two years of my life from concept to figuring out what it was going to be. And and one of the things that suffered during the creation of the book was I, I didn't get out as much. I certainly didn't get out, you know, anywhere great, you know, you know, or as often. Yeah. Um, so I look forward to getting. Do you ever get nervous that you're going to. Um, that's one thing that I do. I. I sort of in the back of my mind, I get fearful about is like, am I going to get sick of this? And like, am I going to sort of mine every bit and corner of the region with hiking that I'm not going to be excited about going? Like, I haven't felt that way and I haven't, that hasn't happened to me, but I wonder like you've, you've covered a little bit more territory than I have. So I'm curious about your perspective about that. Yeah, I think it's a good question, but I I think the answer is kind of, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if it's, if your if your adventures take you somewhere else, so so my my foundation in life is in sports. I've been a sports junkie my whole life. I grew up reading the Boston Globe sports page. Um, I, I was a sports writer. I've worked in sports for twenty five years. I work for a sports trading card company now. Um, I've been to ten Super Bowls, uh, twenty All Star. I've I've lived and died sports. This what we're talking about today took me away from that. You know, and 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 people would ask me, "Don't you care about the Patriots game tonight?" Well, yeah, I do, you know, and I apologize to listeners for taping on Thursday night. You guys can, but, but, but the point is, the point is I, things replace things. Like, I don't know that you'll ever get tired of hiking with your daughters, right? That, that will never change. Um, and, and, and you'll just find what you, you know, so my wife and I hiking two weeks ago or last week and, 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 
uh, Acadia was really special. You know, you know, my wife, you know, pushing six miles was a big deal. It was really cool of her. Um, you know, and we didn't do much elevation, but it was really special because I've hiked so many miles without her. Um, so I guess what I would just encourage you to just follow your instinct. It doesn't really matter. You, you know, you, you've got the show. You, the show might end up, you know, might lead you to something else that takes up your time. For me, you know, my hiking led to the book and the book filled so much space. The newspaper fills a lot of space for me. I have a full-time job, you know, so juggling all that and trying to, to get out. But, um, I think every time you get up on a mountain, you know, and you feel that wind and you look down and I don't know. There's just, you know, I think we, we, the one thing we have in common with your listeners is you don't really have to explain it. You just know, you know, it's where you want to be. Yeah. You know, it's like if that's where you want to be, you, you'll put yourself there. You, know, you, you, will, you will make the time the same way you always make the time for your children. You might not be able to move on to what's next until you get back out there. You know, that's one of the challenges I had for me. Um, at times I would run into, I would run into walls and I would tell my wife, I think I need to go hike something. I think I'm at this point where nothing else really matters. And I would go, I would go get a peak. I would go do, I, one of the last big hikes I did before writing the book was I did the Franconia Ridge again, you know, the loop again. Cause I just, cause I, it was chapter one and I wanted to, I wanted to refresh myself again with, with just that, that magic, what I really call the magic, um, and so I went and did that, and then and then it was almost like laying down the sword. Okay, I got to write. I have to write. Um, mm. But 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 time. But you know, time moves, and, and we just we, we decide what we want to do with it. We get to fill you know our our time with what we want to do. And if if you just, I guess what I'm saying is, if you want to hike, you're going to hike, Mike. You're going to hike. And if you, yeah, that's true. And I got, I mean, I already have my winter hiking, you know, I'm going to finish my winter 4,000 footers here. So I'm scheming already. Yeah. So for me, I like the planning piece of it. So as long as I've got like things to plan, I'll execute on them. Slasher's hiking topic of the week. I don't know, Stomp, do we want to get into this um, winter 4,000 footer topic? Are we kind of running along here, so maybe we can push that to the next episode? It's really up to you guys. You're, are you in a rush? I don't mind a long episode. I really don't. Like, I, I'll right. be editing tonight, but it's all good. We, we yeah. can touch well, upon it. Are you so oh, I'm game. I love it. I, I, I feel honored to be a guest with you guys. And yeah. I'm, Honestly, I'm listeners love the long episodes. Do, Mike, they, so. do we know that? That's all yeah, right. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're good. So I think I just wanted to throw this segment in here. And, um, you know, I figured I'd just sort of pick both of your, you guys' brains. So I've done the, so you can do the, obviously the, the 4,000 footer, list which is you know you can do that basically any time of the year you do the 48 peaks uh, but there's another list where you can do the winter 4000 footers which is from the whatever the winter equinox is to the spring you know whatever the official winter time period is as long as you hike the peaks in those periods like some people do like single season winter 4000 footers i'm doing mine spread out over i don't know it'll be four or five years now where i've really focused on it but i was just i it wasn't formally doing these i just happened to just string together um, a bunch of these peaks and then last winter i i specifically said i'm going to start targeting this list so I, i'm now down to 18 peaks and i've got them organized in 11 different hikes so I wanted to kind of run through and stomp. I'm going to drag you along on some of these. So the first one I've got is Tecumseh. So very straightforward. That'll be, I think. Good choice. I'll have yeah. to bum a free free meal off of you. And this is stomp on that one. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, Tecumseh, 
I forgot how great the view is up there. You can see Mount Washington. Yeah. You can see incredible things that it's totally worth it. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely. And we've hiked that together before, Stone, too. Yeah. So I'll get back to that one. Um, the next trip I have is Passaconway Conway Whiteface. So, Keith, that goes back to Ferncroft. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll do that probably in a, a single hike. Uh, that'll be a long day, though. That is a... Um, a tough hike you know people don't talk about it that much but just going up i'll probably go up whiteface and then come back down uh from past conway yeah i would agree with that and i think it's i think it's a wonderful wonderful hike and you know you can go off the back of whiteface if you need to get a sleeper too right like you know if you if you're working on anything else that's some deep country. That's true. That's true. I don't think I'll do it this time. So cool. I do. That is an area of the two, stringing together between tri pyramids and Whiteface Pass. I haven't gone out into that area. I need to explore that. But I think I'll do that in the summer. Uh, but the next peak I've got on my list is Owl's Head. So I've only ever done Owl's Head from the Lincoln Slide. So I like to do Owl's Head from going up, you know, falling waters and then basically bushwhacking down into the Lincoln Slide going through the Pemi. So this winter, I'll be doing Owl's Head from the traditional route, you know, Black Pond, and then probably take Brutus up um, at least one way because I've never I've never gone up Brutus. So I'll, I'll maybe take the slide up and then go down Brutus on the way out. But yeah. I'm sort of looking forward to that. Slide's not too bad in winter. Nope. Yeah, nope. not too bad. Um, would you do that solo then, or would you have somebody with you on that one? I would like to do that with uh, with some people just because it's so long, yeah. you know, and it'd get pretty boring solo. So I'll try to recruit somebody on that one. That sounds perfect for like a 40 person buddy yeah. hike. <laughs> it does. It does. I'll throw it out on the buddies. Um, and then the next cluster I have, I'm not sure how I'm going to approach this. I have it on my list where I'm going to do um, Gilhead and then Salt Twin come in through, from Beaver Brook and... Okay. String those together, I guess, as an out and back. Uh, that's a long day, but you know that seems to make the most sense in order to get those those two peaks. And then after that, wait, 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 wait. I've so, got to somehow get to North Twin and Heal. So I was thinking I could probably do Heal and then North Twin. So I'll, I'll have to figure that out. I could I could switch it up a little ways, but I don't really know how to how to approach that. Are you comfortable with an overnighter? Are you comfortable winter camping and go to a shelter? Would you do that? Would you like the Garfield, get the Garfield, Garfield shelter, you stay there, get Galehead, Garfield, and maybe South Twin all at, all at once? I, you know, I didn't, I've done a Pemi loop and I stayed at Liberty Springs and I stayed at Guillaume, but I didn't actually look at Garfield. Do, do, I saw they had tent platforms when I stopped there to get water, but do they have a, uh, is it like Guillaume where they have the, oh, yeah, it's, I mean, that, they have a shelter yeah, the, and it's the newer shelter. I mean, they rebuilt it a few years ago. Yeah. That's a great place to stay. Sure. All right. So, nice. so I could do that and then, um, and then hit all of those through, um, through an overnight. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay. So I have to do that. I got to get to heel, which is a pretty straightforward hike. If I did, did that on my own, yeah. Um, I've got the Carters, which I'll uh, I'll do obviously in a hike. I'll probably come in from, I, you know, I want to redline as much as I can when I'm doing this. So I'll probably come in the side of the Imp Trail that I haven't gone on before, and then loop back down 19 mile and do it as a, you know, as a little bit of a loop. But we'll see how it goes with. Hmm. Uh, with that one, and then I love the imp trail. By the way, yeah, let me just throw in a, a testimonial that I think the imp face would be a hike is a great hike. I've taken my kids to imp face. So, like listeners out there, if you you don't you don't have to do a four thousand footer, but you know what, take your kids up to the imp face 
and look across the street and look at the presidential range and show them that view. And, 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 and it's a great teaching tool because it's it's manageable. It's close enough. But boy, I think I think of all of all like the lowest elevation views, I think Imface is, is right up there, you know, with anything in the whites, because you look across the street on a bluebird day and it's, oh, you know, bang for your buck. I mean, that's a short little hike or, you know, you, you could check the mileage. But I don't want to say little. <laughs> everyone, everyone has a different idea of what's little. Yeah. But I took my daughters up there and it, and it worked and they were young. You know, they were 12 and 13 or something like that. And we had, and it was in yeah. the snow. It was a winter hike, and it was wonderful, wonderful, great, oh, yeah. great memory for me. I, you know, yeah, Imface is great, and I've done that. Um, you know, I think I did that as an, I, I did that as a sunset hike. And the sunset's not great there, but I had a beer up there, and then hiked down in the dark, and it was awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, I was, I think I went the long way to my father-in-law's place up in Maine. I drove back home through Evans Notch. It was a great, great evening. Uh, but that whole area there, like Imface, Pine Mountain, the views looking right at, you know, oh. you can grab Madison from those, which is great. Um, but the next one I've got is a Zeeland Bonds Traverse, so I'll have to get, you know, the Zeeland and then the four Bonds Peaks. And I think I'm going to try to do that as an overnight stay at Guillaume and then, you know, come out you know, with the arrange a car ride somehow. Yeah, with the road closed, extra miles with the road closed. That's, you know, you really, I mean, that's. It's a long day. Well, think of it this it way, is. though. Actually, last time I tried to do that was just before my hip replacement. I went out with um, a good buddy of mine, and um, I, I bailed out on the road because my hip was starting to kill me. But if it's a nice compressed snow, you're talking about that snowshoe superhighway. You can yeah. actually pull that off in a day, dude. Awesome. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. I so, like yeah, that. What did yeah, you call we'll it? See. Say that again. Snowshoe Superhighway. Yeah, man. Yeah, like you know this. when it's a trough. We call it a sidewalk. Like me and my buddy, like, oh, I was like walking on a sidewalk. We call it like the sidewalk to Pierce, right? You know, like it's right. you, you, the Crawford Path. You know, when it's all just, it's like walking on a sidewalk. <laughs> Oh, it's like magic. No roots, no rocks. Not yeah. like walking on a sidewalk. You can cruise. And I so like that's the stuff that you can tell people who are going to get went. You know, who are. Who are have hesitations about winter hiking. Say, well, listen, there's, you're not going to kick any roots. You're not going to kick any rocks. There's not going to be any bugs. The leaves yeah. are off the trees. You're going to get these great views in the forest because you can see through the forest because there's no leaves. Oh, that's amazing. And if you dress right, you you know, minimal sweating. It's not like you're not going to have this glaze on you. And all of those little pieces to the to, to the to the pie chart or the cocktail, you know, once they you know start to go, hey, you know, check, check, mm. check. Yeah, I'm still walking, you know, the same the same route and every, all these little things are victories and the victories add up, right? Like, you know, oh. Yeah, it's awesome. Winter's incredible. Yeah, that's to me is like the winter hiking, especially when you get a good cover. Like you'll never hear a quiet more quiet than a winter hike. You know, you just don't experience that sort of peace and calm like you do otherwise. You know, winter hike when you've got that snow cover, it's just amazing. And don't you so guys? I was explaining that to my daughter uh, this last hike. I was like, "Yeah, feel how quiet it is because everything is just muffled because there's snow cover on the ground." <laughs> and wouldn't you say the sky, a winter blue sky, is different than a summer blue sky? <laughs> oh, for sure, oh, absolutely. That yeah. that winter blue sky is so unmistakable, and especially at elevation. And, and and I tell people, you know, the pictures don't do it justice. And people, oh, the pictures are gorgeous. Yeah, but ah. Uh, you know, they just still the pitches don't do it justice. Magic. You know. yeah. And then the last four that I have are kind of one-offs that I've got to figure out. So I've got Cabot, I've got Cannon, I've got Mariah, 
and which are all fine, no problem. Um, and then I have, and you can probably drop the shame thing on this, but I did a winter trip with my friend Jonathan and um, I think his friend Ted went and we were originally going to do an overnight but the weather got crazy and we were like you know we're not going to go up to Grey Knob and we're not going to be able to summit Adam so we did Willie Tom Field but we were kind of like not feeling it and we just blew off that um, that spur trail to Tom and went down um, to just get back to get some food so I never did Mount Tom in the winter so I got to grab that one at some point. Will you stay at the Cabot Cabin on your Cabot hike? No, I, that, that, that place is haunted and disgusting. No, no, wrong. <laughs> You'd stay there. First impressions. Oh, come on. That's not to me. It's a classic. Oh, it's a great experience. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, so, one of my hiking partners calls it the greatest shelter in the White Mountains. <laughs> it's the greatest the place. The greatest shelter on earth. Oh, it's so cool up there. That place. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. I I can't help it, and it's it's in the book. But we really had a great time there, and I would encourage anyone to stay there safely. You know, if they felt comfortable, that you know the beds are there, you know the, the bunks are there. It's and the ghosts. I think and they the ghosts. did it. And so I may be like I, I I may be talking about the older version of it, but I do think that they did they fix it up a little bit. So I could be wrong, but like that one in particular, the um, is it the Jim Liberty cabin in in Chikora? That's on like Chikora. That, yeah. Excuse me out. Yeah. I don't like that one either. <laughs> Hmm. So. You're like a Kinsman Pond guy, like ornamental and beautiful. And, yeah, the brand new one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like Rivendell. Like, oh. Oh, yeah. When I, I, I saw the new lean-to that they built in Guillaume this summer, and I was like, ooh, I like this. But I, I don't sleep, like, I don't want to sleep around people. So I want to be in the tent by myself or in my hammock by myself. Like, I don't want to be in a shelter. But in the winter, my assumption is, is right. that there won't be people around, so I can have the shelter to myself. Yep. Or at hmm. least I can have enough distance between the other hikers so that I feel like I'm alone. Yeah, I agree with that. And 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 my travels very rarely have stayed anywhere where there was was people throughout the book. All those overnights were, you know, we either had the place to ourselves because it, because you, you, the, the time of the year, day of the week. Yeah. And, and now I will say, COVID changed all that. There's more people out there now than ever. You know, in, in the four thousand footer Facebook groups you were mentioning earlier, I joined both of those groups back in like 2013. Mm -hmm. And I think each of them had about 3,000 people at that time. And today they have 70. The first one, Eric Bertrands, has 71,000 people. Eric's got a testimonial on the back cover of my book. And they're up to 71,000 folks in that group. And it was 10 years ago, it was 3,000. It's incredible how COVID really did change, um, you know, so much up here. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. But, you know, so that's my 18 peaks uh, that I've got to get. And I think my plan is I'm going to if I can knock off half of them this winter and then I'll finish up the following winter. And I don't know, I'll maybe I guess I'll just keep Canon as my my final peak and just keep that tradition going because that's where I finish my other list. So. Hmm. But I appreciate the advice, guys. It's a good point. So I'll, I'll probably, I didn't even think of Garfield as a place to stay when I when I get out there to do the Twins and Galehead. So I'll definitely, uh, I'll reassess and try to make some plans. Yeah, and I think Mariah is is sneaky cool too. I really like oh, Mariah. Yeah. Oh, it's great for winter. Yeah, yeah for it's winter. winter hike. Yep, I did it in the winter. Um, yeah, yeah, great spot and, and great views. Yeah. We tried to get over to um, Shelburne Mariah that day. Yeah. And, uh, didn't go so well. We 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 ran into a breaking no- snow. Yeah, it was not broken out, right. and it 
Didn't take long. I think it was all about 20 minutes that we gave that. We gave up that very quickly. Like There's yeah, just well, no I, way. There's just no way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell people that um, that trip up um, Rattle, was it Rattle River to Shelburne, Mariah, if you're looking for a hike that doesn't get a lot of crowds, yeah. like that's a great hike to go on and from coming in from uh, Route 2, and you usually won't see too many crowds. And the views on Shelburne, Mariah, I mean, I'd put those up against any other peak in the whites. Yep. It's a, it's a special corner, too, because you're so far east and north. I mean, you're looking into Maine, right? right what, yeah. You know, what's next? Evans Notch. Like, like it's, it's a very different spot, you know. Yeah. you know, hey, That's what makes us so cool. And I'll tell you, what yeah. we, uh, last, uh, and I write about this in the book, is that is the 48 puzzle. You really don't know what it looks like until you're done, until you've done all of it. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're up in that corner, when you're down at White uh, Ferncroft, you know, like, like, you know, and you're over at Musalak, all those different pieces, you know, that's, that's why... That's some of the magic when it when the puzzle is finally done and you look back and you you add up your adventures and everywhere it took you in the state, um, on trail, by car, the restaurants you ate at and the people, you know, I'll bring it back to people, the people that went along on your journey with you. I call it the hiking tree, um, you know, your personal hiking tree. Um you know, that's when you realize how big of a thing it, it really can be. Now, some people can bang it out in a month. Some people bang it out, you know, you know, very quickly. And it's a different experience. You know, for me, it was four years and uh, it was very special. And I think for a lot of people in listening to, you know, you guys talk, um, you know, it, it, it is a significant moment, uh, a, a goal setting. You know, you set this goal for yourself and you, you do experience some hardships along the way to get there. And it's really rewarding. And I think it's important that people keep that in mind that, you know, some things are worth working towards. They're, they're, they're worth waiting. If, if it was easy, I'll end with a cliche. If it was easy, right, everyone would do it. You know? Yeah, that's right. And then um, how do we get your book? All right. Again, so um, locally, you can get it in North Conway at White Birch Books. Uh, you can get it uh, in Lincoln at the Mountain Wanderer. You can get it in Concord at Gibson's. It will be in Barnes and Noble. I don't know. You can. It's on BarnesandNoble.com now. It's on Amazon.com now. Uh, you can go to White Mountain State uh, on Facebook and just drop me a note at, on the White Mountain State Facebook page, and I'll, and I'll ship it to you myself. Um, yeah, I, I would say those are all. Those are the probably the best options. Excellent. Perfect. So we'll include all those links in the show notes as well. Um, so Keith, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. And then Stomp, do you want to say a few words to take us out? Yes. Uh, thank you, Keith, for showing up. I think it was a nice sort of recalibration after a really tough week and a half, two weeks um, with the loss of uh, one of our hiking community members and um you know like i had mentioned earlier today was the the funeral and uh you know pretty much all of us are heartbroken so we just wanted to skip the search and rescue section this week and uh go out on a, a quiet note and uh, mrs stomp is just going to read a couple passages that were posted um by a few listeners uh recently so a moment of silence and we'll see you guys soon
This post is from Jen Adams. Search and Rescue is a special community, a space where one experiences the dichotomy of magnificent highs and devastating lows. If you are a part of Search and Rescue or know someone who is, the saying of it's okay to not be okay holds true. It's not normal to witness some of the things we do as backcountry responders. It is normal to struggle after trying events such as these. We may have closure for loved ones, but it doesn't erase the pain of not finding someone alive. If you are struggling, please know that you are not alone, and it's okay to reach out for help to work through it. Thank you to all of the search and rescue teams and to Fish and Game. Grateful for each and every one of you. Rest in peace, Emily. This next one is by our friend Tasha Spuches. Today is a devastating and bittersweet day in the New England hiking community. Anytime someone is lost, we all try to follow along, deduce the possibilities, and the bravest of us go out to help search. We feel it deep in our souls when a fellow hiker is missing, and that is because the mountains make a family of all who traverse their trails. Each of us have pushed too hard, not turned around when we should, not had the right clothing, forgotten our headlamps, and gone out in poor conditions. That goal to summit, to check off another peak, drives us in an amazing and sometimes very dangerous way. I've made bad choices for the sake of a summit and I'm not ashamed to say it out loud because to do otherwise would be untrue. Emily was one of us. She had the drive, the determination, and the love of the trail. If I wasn't leaving, I'd go hike those peaks for her, but regardless, I say she's officially part of the 4K club. I don't want to think of her last moments. I want to think about how stoked she was when she first hit the trail. That's what I'm going to focus on tonight. I'm not going to wonder about what she had in her pack or what she was wearing. I'm going to say a prayer to the mountain gods for her. Send a big thank you to all who searched and brought her family some peace by bringing her home and keep her family in my thoughts. Emily is not going to be a lesson for me. She's going to remain what she is, a member of a very badass, unique type of family that only the mountains can create. Rest high in elevation, girl. May you hike forever now.